Hello, and welcome to Franchise Me. I am Andrew. And I'm Ryan. And this is the show where two friends go on a journey to find the ultimate movie franchise. Each week, we will talk about a film or films in a series, breaking them down and seeing if they are truly worthy of being in a franchise. As we finish different series, we will compare and rank them among each other to find out which one is truly the best. This week, Ryan and I cross streams as we talk about Ghostbusters. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> lawsuit, lawsuit. <laughs> Oh, my friend, how are we doing? Oh, I'm doing so good. How are you? Oh, I am doing good. I'm doing yeah. good. Uh, we've uh, dropped the anchor. We're off the ship. <laughs> we're moving on. Yeah, we're moving on. We've exited uh, the ship. We've exited the we've exited the Black Pearl. Yes. We've walked off. We said bye to Captain Jack. We're in 1980s New York. <laughs> <laughs> we should say the ship also docked at 19 1980s New York port. That's what we should say. <laughs> yeah. They're, everyone was really thrown off. They're like, is that a, is that a pirate ship? What is <laughs> here but uh yeah we're, we're making the call and uh we're talking about ghostbusters we're talking about ghostbusters this is very exciting this yeah. is our franchise for the month of october yes maybe. yes it's our spookiest spooky, time yeah, spooky, spooky time. october yes um and spooktober. this is spooktober i want to preface this very quickly and say this is the only spooktober i'm going to let you get away with something like this <laughs> uh i would like to be in control of next spooktober um to bring something a little bit more uh scary to the table <laughs> as we talked about uh, i'm not a big horror guy yes. so when we we were doing the schedule, and it came to October. I was like, yeah, hey, Ghostbusters! Yeah, and I went for it. I thought it was a great idea, because we're trying to tackle some really good franchises in this yeah. first full year. Yeah. And I think Ghostbusters is, like, perfect for this. Yeah. Especially with Afterlife coming out. Well, then, and... Um, and not so long ago. I think it's really a, a great time to do it. Yeah, and I, I, I want to try to get some of the older franchises in, too, and, and this yeah, is... Yeah, we haven't really talked to... I mean, Terminator. Terminator. So this like, is going back to the same year. This is, you know, this is now tied... 1984. Yeah, now tied with some, Terminator. Some would, say the, some would say this is the best, one of the best movie years of all time. I mean, if we when we get to our year in franchises yeah. and we do 1984, we'll talk maybe about uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but we'll yeah, talk you're about absolutely it. right. Uh, I, can, I can, based off Ghostbusters and Terminator alone, pretty I can good. see it. Yeah. Pretty good, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Thank you for uh, for appeal for appealing to me. Yes, of course. And uh, my uh, my little wimpy nature, I guess. But uh, it's not gonna fly next year. No. This year we'll do this. Next year, I'm not gonna do something like the Conjuring that everyone made me do. No, 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 no. Well, you probably could handle those movies. No, not, I won't. I won't pick anything heavy right off the bat. You know, I'm the not Exorcist. Gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna throw anything heavy at you right off the bat. We'll start to work on it a little bit. We'll just say that. I'm excited. I mean, hey, The Shining is that is that does that count as a franchise? I don't you, think so. You could argue. Well, you does could it? argue because there was Shining. A, well, there was and uh, Doctor Sleep, and there was a remake of The Shining uh, that Stephen King did himself. Oh my God! You're he, right, because he didn't like it. He, did, he yeah, Stanley he Kubrick's. famously and more infamously, I should say, hates Kubrick's yeah. interpretation. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. It. yeah so he really dislikes it. Yeah, which blows me away because yeah. I mean the movie's considered a classic. I mean yeah. it really is one of the best. Not even it's one of the greatest movies ever made. In my opinion, it's incredible. But like. It blows me away Stephen King is like, he didn't get it. Like, Kubrick didn't get it. And I forgot that he made his own version of yep. it to go against the grain, um, which is fascinating. Because it's funny, because I'm not a big fan of Dr. Sleep. No. I didn't think it was that good. I saw it in theaters. I didn't really think it was that good. But uh, we'll talk about it one day. I haven't seen any of these movies, so. I know. I know. We'll <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we can talk about it one day. But yeah. uh, now, uh, yeah, we're interested to see what we, we have next year. But this year. This year. I'm really excited to talk about Ghostbusters. Yes, we do. Um, this is going to be a very fascinating franchise 
Um, there's a lot to talk about here, I yeah. think. There's stuff to talk about with the movies, obviously, but I think there's a lot of stuff to talk about outside the movies, like yeah. the fan base. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a very hot topic of conversation for us as we go through this, because there's this is the case of toxic fandom coming to life, I think. Yeah. You know? When I, and it, it, it's tough because it is a mixture. Like, obviously, I think... And, and you know, we talked about it on the Pirates retrospective a little mm-hmm. bit, too. Obviously, not this movie, not even the next movie. Specifically, the 2016 version. Right. The remake, the all-female version. Can't wait to watch um, that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm excited to talk about it. But I think, I think that was a mixture of not only a, a fan base, but I also think that it was... People used the fan base or used the reboot nature of it as a as a way to jump on and just just be racist, just be sexist. Right. Whether they were, and I think that people, I have a theory that people paraded as Ghostbusters fans to do so. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, I think agree with people you. acted like, oh, it was such a meaningful thing. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think they just use that as an excuse to be negative and spew yes. hate so it is interesting too it, yes a little toxic fan base but also how much of it was the fan base how much was other stuff you mm-hmm. know what i mean so that's all other things but like i said to you i am almost more interested about everything around this franchise than mm-hmm. the individual movies right. and this is such a almost a perfect franchise in the way that it has everything that like every example that we've kind of talked about right in movies so far it has mm-hmm. the the first movies the legendary classic one of the top tier, you know, movies of all time. Like people look at Ghostbusters and and people make cases classic. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. You know, uh, then the second movie is the disappointing sequel. Ghostbusters right? Two is disappointing. And uh, and like, that's not even my opinion. That's that's the reputation that's, that the movie yes, has. Absolutely. And then there's the unnecessary remake. Yep. You know, and then there's the legacy sequel. Yep. So kind of all the different variations of sequels and continuations of this franchise. Yes. This is kind of gone through. Yeah. So it's it's really morphed quite a bit through the years. And it's funny too because of that. We don't, we, I guess we could talk about this too, but like just the major gap between Ghostbusters oh, yeah. 2 and Ghostbusters Answer the Call. Yeah. That gap is huge. Well, the fact that this, like, it blows my mind that this only met our standards six years ago. Yep. Like, if we had done this podcast seven years ago, mm-hmm. We would not be talking about Ghostbusters. Yep. And that blows been, my mind. It blows my mind. And they're really, um, it, it's it's fascinating to talk about it because it kind of also is this revitalized franchise. Yeah. I mean, after 1989, I know there I know there's some stuff there where, you know, with Dan Aykroyd and he was pushing for a third movie for a long time. I understand that. Like, I know that that's out there. But beyond that, it, it is crazy that there is such a gap from 1989 to 2016 for a Ghostbusters movie. And we're talking about this franchise now and being like, wow. And there's been, you know, outside of Answer the Call, there's also been Afterlife. And it sounds like we're getting more. But, like, yeah. it, it, it is kind of this. More, yeah. We're getting a lot more. It is this revitalized and newly found franchise now where it's becoming, it's kind of coming into its own a little yeah. bit. And uh, people often, though, the problem is, though, uh, as well, that people kind of overlook Answer the Call and don't consider it canon. I mean, Sony didn't. Sony didn't. They don't consider it canon. It's just kind of this tossed-to-the-side-of-the-road movie. I have an argument for that yeah. uh, when we get to it, and we'll talk about it when we're there. I, but I, I do just, have an argument for that movie that – it's not really even an argument, but just like I have an argument with like uh, we live in this society where we just set multiverses. Why can't this just be a multiverse Ghostbusters movie? Well, I mean that's literally what they were going for. Why, why can't yeah. it just be that? And yeah. that's – yeah. So – but anyway, Ghostbusters. Yeah. The classic. Yeah. The original. The thing that 
kickstarted everything. Yeah. I'm very excited to talk about this movie because I think there's some good stuff here. I really do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not trying to argue that this doesn't deserve that title because it absolutely does. I just, it, it's interesting because going into this episode, I usually have like, we're going into any episode, I kind of usually have an idea of what I'm going to talk about. Right. What I really want to focus on. And I'm going to this, I watched this movie. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say because it it's kind of a hard movie to talk about. It's really different from anything else we've done. Yeah. And it's just, it is, Ghostbusters is Ghostbusters. Like, everybody mm -hmm. knows what it is. Like, it's so ingrained in pop culture yes. today that it, like, almost feels weird even talking about it. Because even, like, Terminator, I feel like because it was R, was a little bit... Distant, like it was obviously mm -hmm. very famous, you yes. know what I mean? But because it was more adult oriented, it wasn't capturing kids' minds, yeah. I and well, and even then, it did, it did, but it, it wasn't, did, but, but like, not as not as impactful. Like, kids right. to this day are still dressing up as, dressing Ghostbusters. Up as Ghostbusters, playing Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. and even this, even before Afterlife came out, they right. still. Our, on Halloween every single year, you see someone walking around with a backpack, yeah. with the jumpsuit on, Spangler, Bankman, whatever it is. They're still playing Ghostbusters at recess. You yep. know what I mean? Like that's what they do. Like it, it still lasts. Like you're not seeing kids today walking around going, Hasta la vista, baby. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. you're it, it is insane how much and I really think it is this movie just permeated popular culture. I mean, it really is so deep in our consciousness this movie alone i don't think any of the other three movies have this it's really this one this is the one that is ingrained in everybody's mind and people think about this movie yeah. a lot and people still quote lines from this movie people still uh talk about reference it in movies i mean it's it's crazy i mean yeah. it really is still kind of this i wouldn't say it's a mania i think it was at the time it kind of earned this mania in 84. Yeah. But um, nowadays, I kind of think it's just more so ingrained in our culture that we just, we, we, we take it for granted. We take Ghostbusters for granted. I, I agree. Uh, I think people just forget, like, that's what I mean. Like, it, it, it it's so hard to talk about because it just is. Like, yeah, like it just I, is. And I mentioned this on the Pirates retrospective, but, like, I had never even had sat down before and watched this entire movie. Yeah, I but I knew everything it was like I knew the characters and the story and the and the big scenes and all of that I knew because it's just I feel like it's one of those movies that when you come into this world you just know what Ghostbusters is you right. know everything about it you know what I mean I grew yeah. up around it I grew up my my brothers my family whatever before watching you even it, see the movie before you even see the movie you, you know, just what, know it what it is. is yeah yeah so like I this was technically the first time I sat down to watch it but I had seen this before yes. you know what I mean I I knew mm -hmm. I could I was I could have quoted. Most of it, you know yeah. what I mean. That's that. That's what's nuts to me. Is right. it just? It is such. I think almost more than any movie we've done. Like this. This is the legendary like movie. Like this is yes. is, is that. Like it just. It's. It was groundbreaking. It was. It's an. It's an important movie. But like, that's it what really it is. is. Even if. Even if nowadays maybe like the comedy maybe doesn't hit as hard. Like I. I, no. I still think it's funny. I do think it's a funny movie, but. You're right. It's the groundbreaking aspect of this movie. There is a lot of groundbreaking stuff in here with CGI, with set design, with costume design, with sci-fi elements. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of really, really cool stuff in this movie that I think we see nowadays kind of that has only been really kind of just stolen throughout the years. Like people will, will I think, still reference Ghostbusters to use for movies nowadays, for sci-fi movies yeah. nowadays. 
But the movie's also so grounded. You know, it is a very grounded movie, but I think people have expanded on that more, and I think we're seeing that happen more and more with movies and yep. uh ghostbusters really is kind of a reference point for a lot of filmmakers yeah. franchise filmmakers but at least in that sci-fi genre it also feels weird because it just feels like it's it feels like it doesn't need a sequel to be a franchise like it feels like a very complete movie right like i feel like like even the adventures that they go on it doesn't feel like i mean look i mean knowing where they go in the in the future right you know it uh it, it's not like they have a lot more adventures anyway you know what i mean like right there's really nothing in between story-wise what happens in this movie right <laughs> right one but you know it, it is an odd it's an odd franchise to me but 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 a, an iconic movie so it makes sense yeah. that they would want to milk this movie for everything but exactly it just, it just feels weird that like it, it feels the weird f- that even the idea of continuing this just does does feel weird yes and and, and there are some people who would argue that it should never have continued beyond yeah, that movie. Yeah, I mean, well. and I understand those arguments. And those are things we can get into with, like, 2 and uh, Answer the Call and uh, Afterlife in particular. I'm yeah. very excited for you to watch that one. I am, too. But yes. um, I, I will say, I think you just worded it perfectly. This is a very odd franchise with one iconic movie. I yeah. mean, there's no other word for Ghostbusters, yeah. but iconic. Well, because it is. It's iconic. I think that there are movies... That hit a just a status that like at least for me and I don't know if this will even make sense mm-hmm. that when I watch them, it's almost like I'm not even watching them. Like I don't like you I, almost I, feel like you've seen this. Yeah, we're like like not that you're like you just you just know it. Yeah, like yeah. not not it's not a it's not a boredom. Yeah, or or that you're it's not that you're tired of it, but you're just so it's just so ingrained. Like there are movies for me like like Toy Story. It's like, like a warm hug. Yeah. Like you the, watch it and you know you're going to have a good time. You know you're going to enjoy it, but you don't need to be invested. Yeah. You just kind of shut off. And it's hard for me to if, it's hard for me to invest in those movies, even though I recognize that the, the, those movies that have that are some of the best movies for yeah. me. Like Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I think is probably the best movie just ever made. Like, I think it's probably one of the... And that, that's for that episode. Oh, sure, sure. But I think like when I watch that... like. Like it is hard for me to invest because right. it's just I'm just so you're so, it's I know like, everything you know everything and it's it's almost like you're so outside of it now yeah that you're just looking in you're just going I just like this thing I liked it you know what it really is it's kind of like your own little personal snow globe yeah you just have it and you can That's just a pick great it up analogy yeah anytime you want you look at it it brings you comfort. And then you just kind of put it down and you go, I'll come back to that. And that's what it is. Yeah. It's really just this nice little capsule for yourself. Yeah. No, I, well, you know, I'm glad that, that that makes sense because that's kind of what this is. Like, like I, like I, it's hard to, when we do like rankings and opinions, stuff, it's hard to even have that because yeah. like I guess like, I keep saying that Ghostbusters is just Ghostbusters. Like, yeah, like it, 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 it's like, I, I walked out of this and I'm like, I can't tell if this was like a, like a one star movie or a five star <laughs> movie because it just... It just felt like I sat down and just like watched this, and it didn't even right. feel like I watched it. Like it right. just felt like it felt like it just happened, you know? Like yes, it, it feels like it just happens. And I have a ranking for this movie. I do, and I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I know where I want to put it, but like at the same time, I do walk away from this, and I have this like weird sensation of like. Did I just watch this, or was I yeah. kind of just going with it? Like, I, I it's, it's it's a strange experience. I think that there. Are just... I only have this with really iconic, but I also have this with um, Jurassic Park. Yeah, I feel the same way. The way you feel about Back to the Future, yeah, I feel that about Jurassic Park. 
and I feel like I just kind of go with it. Yeah. You know, I just go with well, it. Well, I, I think the, I think the better way to maybe describe it is I think there are some movies that are just like they're just critic proof. Like yes. like not even like and I don't mean like like movie critic, but I mean like you just can't like you can't watch it and and look at it the same way as, as like I can't rank this or compare this or break this down the same way that I can with with Curse of the Black Pearl. Right. Or, you know, even something that I loved, like Dead Man's Chess. Like it just, it, because it just has a certain status. It's impossible to it. compare. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible. This yeah. is this is going to be a really unique movie to talk about. It is. It yeah, is. It could be unique. Because it, it's, it's, it's just like, like it's, it's hard. Like I said, like, there's so much there. But, like, I also feel like it's just. What 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 else is there even to say about this movie? Exactly, that's you know the problem. I mean? It's like what else? We're is almost there to forty say? years. It's almost been forty everything, years. Everything and everybody knows everything about the making of this movie. There's yeah. been so many. I mean, like Dan Aykroyd talks about it all the time. Well, the, There's been like episodes from different shows that go into that. I mean, like everything that people want to know about the making of this movie. Everybody knows. This has been a really so it's like, hard franchise for me to get information on because I like we're to We're kind just, of just going to be repeating yeah, a lot of information. Yeah. And, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like maybe – but that's kind of the benefit. Maybe some people don't know. Yeah. You know, that's – you know, maybe some people don't know and hopefully we <laughs> we can educate a little bit. But like, <laughs> I, you know, it's 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 kind of like we're, we're kind of in the belly of the beast here. We kind of just have to accept yeah. where we're at and – get digested through it and deal with it and yeah. just, you know, give our opinions on the movie and we try our best. Slimed. We have to get slimed, you know? <laughs> it is what it is. What well, do you want to, with that, do you want to just jump in? I'm ready. Let's All do right, it. All right, so uh, Ghostbusters. This had a release date of June 8th, 1984. Summer money, baby. Summer money. I keep calling it every <laughs> Summer money, baby. <laughs> uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman, the late... Great Ivan Reitman. Yes. He passed away... Earlier this year, Earlier this year. Yeah, earlier this year, I believe. I think you're right about that. Um, I don't know the exact date, but uh, yeah, we Ivan Reitman, who's unfortunately no longer with us, but a very, very... In February of this year. February yeah. of this year. I, I will say a very um, groundbreaking director in his own way. With um, comedy, yeah. With comedy yeah, in particular. Yeah. Like in the, yeah, exactly. In the comedy uh, uh, realm in the 80s. Very groundbreaking. I mean, really got some cool projects through and, and has a very unique filmography, uh, especially through the 80s. I mean, very unique stuff. Does an incredible job here. I mean, like, what yeah. he what he pulls out of here is, is really special. I mean, he's part of the reason this movie is iconic. I mean, he's yeah. part of the legacy, you know? Well, especially, I, I feel like, like, and, and not to get into the cast, or, but when you look at, like, just kind of the people you're dealing with and even the kind of the status that, that they have on their own, like, yes, and, and it's mostly like two people, but like Dan Aykroyd's very eccentric, very, very, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I feel like that's come out more so in re- recent years over the last like decade or so. Yeah, we're seeing it more. He's very eccentric. Yeah, he and it, very clearly, uh, as we talk about as we go through this, loves this. He he loves this. He loves he this. he lives this. He this loves Ghostbusters lives this. lifestyle. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, it's, no, no. I'm not. I'm not even making fun yeah. of him. But he's very. Invested. Into the occult, into into paranormal and yep. all this stuff, and has his own beliefs, all this stuff, yeah. and uh, but I think I feel like because of that was very enthusiastic. Might might be hard to maybe contain on set, right? Yes. And then you got somebody like Bill Murray, who yeah. you don't even know if he's gonna show up. You don't even know if he's gonna show up. Like, yeah. and that's part of this movie is. They didn't know who he was, <laughs> and he and he did. He did. He did and, show up. Obviously, but, and, and, yeah. I, and I will say it, it's it's a fine performance from yeah. him i mean it is it is a good performance um 
But like he he was kind of he had that reputation. It's crazy when you talk about Bill Murray, and we'll get to him. I know this is Bill Murray talk, but it is funny talking about him because even back in the eighties, he had that reputation of is he going to show up? Because that's kind of what it is today. Yeah. Still, he's this guy that's kind of just. Well, going through the, the world. What's the thing that he doesn't have an agent? He has a he has an answering machine. You call. He, yes, he has he has uh, a landline phone that you call. That you call. You, and leave you leave a message. You leave a message with and, the pitch of the movie, and he'll get around to it eventually. If he has any interest, he'll call back. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what it is. If he has any interest, he'll call back, which is wild. And honestly, I think it's awesome. I really think that's awesome. Yeah. That's a really great way to, also, to do it. But um, to have that kind of status, yeah. but like. Ivan, Ivan Reitman, yeah, just incredible. It really doesn't. Yeah, well, that, well, that, well that's what I wanted. That effect, the fact that he, like, he has to kind of wrangle these egos and yes. and these these uh, very talented uh, men mm-hmm. at kind of the heights of their career, like right. Dan Aykroyd, Bill Bill Murray, even even um, even uh, Harold, Ramis. Harold Ramis at the time, like very big parts in their career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and I and I don't I know I know of the, these. Four main actors. I feel like I know the, the least about Harold Ramis's personal life, and I feel like that shows that he didn't. He doesn't seem. I think. To he, me, I think he wanted it that way. Yeah, he seemed like more of a private person, yes. like not very egotistical. So when mm-hmm. I say like ego, I don't mean like him, but I just feel like, especially in the eighties, a very egocentric time. Big you know time. what I mean? A very you know things going on, know, drugs and you know whatever, and uh, people's, very... people's names <laughs> spelled out in cocaine. <laughs> Arnold, <laughs> Daddy, look at it. It's so big. It's a great story. I can't. <laughs> well, one day we'll tell that story. Oh man! But uh, yeah, you know, just a wild time, right? Yeah. Very party, party, big party atmosphere, things like that. Greed and really took over. Yeah, the yeah. the fact that um, you know, Ivan Reitman had to contain all this and pull all this off, yes. as, as well as being in charge of because uh, these guys were the, transcending, I would yeah, say, into yeah. kind of superstardom, the fact comedy that, superstardom, and 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 knowing where the, the even the idea kind of came from, the fact that he made something out of this and made this work. Like it really mm-hmm. is great, and and I right. I think he is kind of the the key to all of this, and I and right. he definitely I, I would I, I don't want to say he's underrated because he definitely gets the credit he deserves for this oh, movie, for sure. but but I think you know obviously you know you look at the main the people on town uh, the talent on screen mm-hmm. go well the, you know well obviously they're you know. They're, they're, they're the reason why this movie lasted for a long time, but I think it's Ivan Reitman. It's his direction, you know? too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they will be the first to credit him. Yeah. yeah. And it'd be interesting to talk about it, because this would be the first time we get to talk about somebody's son, uh, son taking over. Taking yeah. over, yeah. Afterlife. When we get there, yeah. yeah. But uh, written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Yes, two, two of the stars of the movie, which is a unique thing here. Yeah. We haven't really had this before, where stars of the movie wrote the movie. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, they... Look, I know this is like... Dan Aykroyd's baby. It really is. I think he brought a lot of the sci-fi stuff to it. And he is funny. Yeah. But Harold Ramis was, from what I could gather, and from what I hear from people, a very intelligent comedy writer and yeah. just an intelligent person in life in general. And I think he brings a lot of that smart comedy to this movie where Aykroyd brings more of like, like you were saying, the occult sci-fi yeah. feeling to everything. Like I think that's kind of his ballpark. And some of the... I think comedy, like I know the the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man was a big thing for him, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think he's kind of like the wild swing, yeah. And Ramus is like, well, 
the one of the, Ramus is like the clutch pitch. One of the things is is and we'll talk about a little bit with the fun facts about the original like Ackward's original pitch and idea for this. It was wild. Which was wild. <laughs> oh like, man. They literally said like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, which is the climax of this movie, is like page five yeah. in his script. Yeah. So it's like wow. <laughs> it's it, it's almost that's the thing. He needed Ramus. Yeah. Ramus really cleaned the script up. Yeah, and, and helped uh guide it into what it was. And yeah. and, and I think that was Reitman's call too, because well Reitman I think was the one that said bring on Harold Ramis bring him yes. on and then they were like oh hey we can get him a role in this movie too well there'll be more talk about there too because I think there was somebody else they wanted originally yes yeah, so we'll talk yeah, about we'll that talk yeah, about we'll it. talk about that see for, this is what I mean like, we know everybody it. knows that yeah, yeah well there, there's still some interesting information yeah. in there but like yeah but, bringing in Howard Ramis was such a good idea because he's he's so intelligent and he, yeah. he was such an intelligent comedy writer with what he could come up with and you know and he again i think i think if anybody he's underrated for the comedies he wrote in the 80s he wrote some really great stuff yeah has always been heralded as this like incredible comedy writer and i think that really shines here because he got this movie on track with that writing i i mean truly like i i credit Ramis for writing this oh, like yeah. it's, it's Ackroyd's idea yeah but Ramis cleaned this script up to straight to, to, to I mean what like you said is it to make it grounded to make it know? grounded and he did a really really incredible job with that well uh it helps that uh with a budget of 25 to 30 million dollars so <sighs> yeah they got money for it yeah well it's it's not obviously not a lot especially these days mm. but back then it was, it was a decent amount it's a know? decent amount yeah um uh, it's still what they the task they took on uh with that budget I feel like is you know, you, you kind of mentioned me off screen. Obviously, some of the special effects not not the best in this movie, but but best. that's part of the charm, I think, of mm-hmm. it all. And and for '84, the fact that they were able to pull something like all this off, like that's pretty fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it paid off because the box office uh, not two hundred ninety five point two million dollars. It's a lot of money. That's right. a lot yeah. of money back then. And it's funny because I know we we talk about like you know, these billion-dollar movies now, but we have to turn back the clock here a little bit, and we have to adjust our perspective to 1984. Yeah. That amount of money is a very big success in 1984. Yeah. And I think yep. people kind of overlook that and go, that's not a lot, but in 1984, that's a lot of money. It's a lot. It's it's not like a like knock-out-of-the-park, like like in, incredible, incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think you... I th- and I've seen people argue that, that this technically, that this movie technically is, could be considered even like a, a kind of a cult classic. Like the, the right. amount of love that came out of this movie compared to the amount of money that it made. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like everybody saw this movie. Right. Um, you could kind of make that... You could kind of make... I wouldn't go as far as to say that because I just feel like everybody knows no it. no it's yeah. not a cult classic yeah no it's, but it's permeated i think it's just a culture. classic yeah. yeah but but you could but you could make the all you know that um that argument that just just because it, it, it that is that is a lot of money especially in 1984 but it's, it's not top, that it's not that, that it's not much. that that much yeah. but it is top 10 box office of that year it is yeah uh it was, it was number two i believe yeah so that's that's what I mean, though. It's like, yeah. that is a lot of money if it's number two at the box office for that year, you know? Yeah, number two. There's only one other movie that uh, that beat down. So, yeah. It, it is, it's definitely a lot. Yeah, yeah so. for sure. Um, well, let's talk about a Rotten Tomato score. Ooh. Uh, critics. Uh, rotten at... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, certified Fresh at... What do you think? What do you think is this? Oh, that's a great question. Okay, so I imagine a lot of this is retroactive yeah. going back. I don't think it's 100, and I don't even think it's in the 90s. I think it's maybe like I'm gonna say eighty five percent, ninety seven percent. Is it really? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. 
Because usually those retroactive things, there's usually those few that are like, it's not as good as everybody said, you know, and like kind of like goes back on it. That's very high. Good for him. Wow. And our audience is fresh at 88%. Oh, I was close on the audience. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised the audience isn't higher because apparently it is a very vocal, very beloved. Yeah, you would would actually think the audience would also be like 97, close, like really high. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Those are good numbers, though. Those are very good numbers. Higher critic score than I thought. Yeah. Well, uh, we've already kind of talked about the cast, but let's talk about the cast officially. we got other people to talk about. Uh, starring uh, Bill Murray as Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Ray Stance, Harold Ramis as Egon Spengler, Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore, Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett, Rick Moranis as Louis Tully, Annie Potts as Janine Melanitz, and William Atherton as Walter Peck. Okay, let's start with Mr. William Atherton. Yes. This guy is incredible. He's always he kind of made his bread and butter on being eighties villain. I for a want long to time. I want to start this off by saying to William Atherton, I'm sorry, man, because this guy became one of the most hated people in public. <laughs> he really did, didn't he? And he said one of the things in the in the fun facts, and I don't know if I have it or not, but basically he said that uh, I think. Ramus ran into him and uh, or not uh Reitman maybe I think I think it was Ivan I think it was Ivan Reitman somebody somebody ran into him I think it was Ivan Reitman and they thought that he'd be like oh wow you such a huge success I'm so happy and he right. was kind of like man like, yeah. like everybody's yelling at me that I'm Glist, like, <laughs> I get booed yeah. on the streets. It's incredible, like. though. It's incredible. You know, that's what it comes with. That's the that's the part of the popularity. Look, it's because the performance is so good, though. Like, yeah. he should really take that oh, as a compliment. Yeah, this this his performance is it's great. It's 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 he's so hateable. I know in this role. As soon as he walks on screen, and you can just tell. Like, this guy's going to be just, oh, you're going to hate this guy. And as soon as he starts talking about it, he's like, I'm with the EPA. He's like, and I want to know what you're doing around here. Show me your traps. I want to get, I want to see everything. And Bill Murray's kind of shutting him down. Venkman's shutting him down. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Then he comes back with that warrant, right? And he goes down there and he's just like, he's like, he's like, shut it all down. And he released the ghost. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, and he's the one that releases the ghost. I mean, it's a great performance. And all the stuff in the mayor's office. Yeah, it, that's top tier. I mean, top tier stuff. The, the top incredible tier. line. Is this true? It is true. This man is dickless. <laughs> <laughs> this man indeed has no. <laughs> d- <laughs> it is. It is really incredible. But he is just so good at playing hateable characters. And he, like I said, he kind of makes his bread and butter off yeah. that. That's we'll talk about him thing. again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, we will. he will be a franchise. Oh, he, star. he will be a franchise star. But um, just a wonderful, wonderful actor and a uh, really, really solid like 80s villain performance here he just nails it which reminds me um we have a franchise star to talk about in this movie do you want to save that because or do you want to talk about it now because is it somebody in the cast it's not listed okay uh it's my favorite franchise multi-franchise star that we've ever done it's probably one of those random people who talk what uh right do you want to do you want to talk about it now i think i do yeah ladies and gentlemen let's add uh the one the only Mr. Larry King to Larry the multi-franchise King. Hall of Fame. Oh, Larry King. <laughs> oh, yes. Welcome, Larry, Larry King. Larry King. <laughs> I forgot. Is a multi-franchise yeah, he is. He is. actor in these movies. Larry King, uh, your work on Shrek and your work here. <laughs> your work here. And Ghostbusters has catapulted I you. I watched this movie and Larry King popped out. I'm like, franchise I star forgot. Larry yeah, King. I always... I. I would not have guessed that because oh obviously my God. 
his work on Shrek two, three, and that's it, right? He doesn't do. Uh, uh, he's in. He's in. He has one line in Forever After. One line in Forever After, or like two, one or two. Right, lines, right, right, yeah. right. And then he has that small little cameo in this where there's he's talking about the Ghostbusters, and he's got like the microphone in front of him, yeah. the cigarette, and he's like, he's like, I don't know about these paranormal guys. It, oh, it's great, Larry King. Welcome, man. Welcome. Oh. That's so exciting. So, yeah. uh, as a second I saw that, I was like, oh my God, we're adding Larry King. We're adding Larry King. He's in. <laughs> before Stallone, before Arnold, before Diesel. Isn't it wild how we thought all these other cat people were going to be first, and it turns out to be like the most random actors in the world getting in? Uh, and also, um, our boy, Reginald Bell Johnson! Johnson! <laughs> Reginald Bell Johnson! Oh, our boy. I not, love Not a franchise star. Not yet. a franchise star. Will be. Oh, he will be. He will be. Because, funny enough, plays a cop in another little movie we'll be talking about someday. But, um, great cameo. I love... It's not even a cameo. I think he was still kind of You know, he wasn't in anybody. He wasn't in anybody at that point. But he's in this movie, has one line opening the thing. But you know what? Because it's Reginald Vell Johnson, he sells it. (laughs) He sells it. Well, I tell you what. He's like, okay, Ghostbusters. He I'll, flies I'll, over the thing. I'm I'll, like, this guy's great. I'll open up the, the casting just for this little bit because I don't I don't have this down because I don't think this is true. But one of the pieces I came across that that he was considered for the role of Winston, which I don't believe because even in the commentary they were like, oh, that guy that was in Family Matters, the guy from Die Hard, like right, right. They they very they, they knew they recognized him, they knew him, but they were kind of like, oh yeah, like whatever. Well, no, no, no. He but, Family Matters hadn't happened yet. No, no, no but in the commentary oh, on the okay. dvd okay, they, gotcha, they, gotcha. they talked about him and but they were like oh yeah that guy from die hard uh vel johnson he's in right. it but like they, they if they had considered they don't dive him, into it right if they had considered him they would have been like oh yeah whatever he might have auditioned for the role but it, which would have been interesting to right, see right but uh i don't think that he was anywhere near getting, getting no no role, I, there was but. a there was a Another person, yeah, 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 yeah. Ackroyd wanted. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. But I know. I, I'm, I'm just, sorry. I'm like diving. Into I the just, facts, uh, I just wanted to bring up uh, Vel, Vel Johnson. Yeah, because we because love him here. That. Yeah, we're big fans. And I don't, I don't have that. So while you were mentioning, I wanted to just say that. God, I love um, original Vel Johnson. But uh, we can move on. Uh, Annie Potts as Janine, really great. This is probably like the best like character work in the movie and there's somebody else to it when we get to it but like this is really great character work by Annie Potts she has such a like versatile and unique career mm-hmm. and I just love what she does here she's so great as kind of just the overworked I guess secretary for which, underpaid yeah. underpaid secretary for for the Ghostbusters um, and she has that great legendary line Ghostbusters what do you want yeah. and then hangs up yeah it's just so good I'm like that's such a great delivery she's really great though yeah. and um man I just I love Annie Potts yeah and is also going to be a multi-franchise well, this, star one day I, I was going to say we talked about with Pirates that was that was just a cesspool of franchise stars yeah. future franchise stars this may have more because this may have more because uh, she becomes one later William too. Atherton Reginald Vell Johnson we already have Larry King Annie Potts uh, moving on, I mean, to our next person, uh, another future franchise star, Rick Moranis as Louis Tully. Oh, man. You know, this is what I'm going to say. Also, this is the guy. Great character work. Yeah. But I just want to say, like, I forget how much I love Rick Moranis oh, yeah. until I see him in a movie. And I'm like, this guy is incredible. He, He's incredible. Like, he is a comedy tour de force. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In every One movie. of the best comedic actors of all of time. Of all time. I mean, it, every time I see him, I'm like, this guy blows everybody off yeah. the screen with what he's doing. He's just on another realm. 
and he it's it's so it it's almost like you feel robbed a little bit because he he chose to stop he chose, working yeah. on his own on his own terms, which is great to be with his family, and that's a very noble reason to do it. But you almost feel robbed because you're like he has such this eclectic work through the '80s and into the '90s, and then he just disappears, and you're like, oh, imagine like all of the roles we could have gotten him in, especially in like the 2000s. Like, could you see Rick Moranis? In like a Will Ferrell movie, he would be unbelievable. Yeah. Like I'm like that would be his bread and butter. But like literally one of the greatest comedic actors to ever live. Yeah, there's a reason people love Rick Moranis, and it's because of performances like this. Yeah, where he dedicates himself and yeah. goes all in. It's I'm, incredible character work. This his role in here, Louis Tully, is just it's he's the funniest part of he, the movie. He doesn't even do anything particularly that funny, or, or at least like his normal Louis Tully, but just like. The mannerisms as he has, yes. The, everybody knows the guy that just won't shut up. Like, I mean, yeah. hell, I am the guy that won't shut up. But he's also so, the guy. He's also the guy that doesn't get the message. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he's following around. Hey, you want to go to my party? I'm having hey, a party. Go to my party? I'm having a party down here. One you of, made a date? Okay, that's fine. One of the funniest things that he says that cracks me up, and I don't even know. I mean, I know why, I guess. But like, uh-huh. he goes. I recorded a 20-minute ex- exercise video and I rushed it back on twice speed so I can exercise in 10 minutes. <laughs> it's so good. Like, it's so good. I just, I love Rick Moranis, man. And he does such oh, great character man. work here. And especially even when he becomes, uh, when he's like morphing into the dog. Yeah. He compl- he changes even when in that moment. he's possessed by, is Vince, Vince or yes, whatever? Vince, Vince or, and he, yeah. we'll call him the key master. When yeah. he kind of becomes the key master and is possessed by him. It's so good. I mean, he's yeah. running around and he's just, he's like talking to the horse. He's like, soon we're going to set you he, all free. It's crazy he like takes he, off. He's meant to be this villain, but he's almost like, he's almost lovable you in don't that moment. Lo- you don't hate him yeah you're like i love this guy still i still love him there's like two things at the end of the movie when he actually when they break him out of uh the carcass of the dog i guess we'll say when they like break everyone out and he comes out and they're just like and dan Ackward's like oh you've been a part of this first paranormal shit and he's like he's like he's like oh great and then he's like he's like can we use a we want to uh, scrape off a bit of your brain tissue and then he just goes sure like, <laughs> just doesn't even think he's like sure he goes but then, who does your taxes yeah who does your taxes but the best is during the credits, and he comes down, and he's sitting there, anyone want to interview me? I was an eyewitness. Yeah. Anyone want to interview me? But, like, all of his mannerisms, and he's just... I mean, even, like... I love this guy, man. When he's having the party, and he's like, oh, I invited clients instead of friends so I could write it as a tax write-off. <laughs> I can write it as a tax and write-off. He's, and he's, he's also, like, about selling about the food. He's like, this is Canadian. This it, is Canadian it, smoked th- salmon. This only cost me $15 or whatever. And then he's like, oh, uh, this person, this person here, they run a store. I did their taxes. They made this. <laughs> yeah, and- yeah. Maybe if we dance, we'll get the party going. And he just starts moving his arms up and down like it's such a bad... Oh, man. Uh, he is just a comedic torture You left force. your TV on, so I put my TV on. Louder. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. I can't wait to talk about him more, but, like... I'm glad we're in agreement. Rick Moranis. Oh, yeah. Absolute yeah. comic door to force. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we have a Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett. Okay. I love Sigourney Weaver. I do. She's the most grounded person yeah. in this entire movie. But, like, her performance is still awesome. Yeah. Like, it's a really awesome performance. Like, yeah. every time I watch it, I appreciate it more and more and more. Because I'm like, she's just really a great actress. Yeah, she's... Like, in, she's a really great actress. She's invested in what's going on She's on invested. Screen. Like, she yeah. doesn't... Like, sometimes... And I think this is a problem a lot of comedies now is sometimes you'll get like an actor or actress who go on the screen and just aren't invested in the joke and don't really want to like 
go for it and it, it ends up showing in the movie it's incredible that they got Sigourney Weaver to sign on and she was invested like yeah. she went for it she was all in um she brings a really strong performance to the movie it's clearly the most like professional performance i'll say yeah. of everyone on screen maybe next to Moranis cuz i think Moranis is is doing but a it's professional the most dramatic. performance but it's the most dramatic but like the way she's able to change it up to from being like the regular person right at the beginning yeah. and then changing to be the into gatekeeper, the yeah. gatekeeper being possessed by Zul, and you're like, oh my god! Like she's basically doing two different things in this movie, and it's awesome. And like, she's so great, and and she also pulls off like kind of this. Um, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but it's it's a very like sexy performance yes. too. Like you you really are like. I get why, like, Venkman's falling for oh, her. Yeah, like, yeah, she's, yeah. like, really... Like, she's a very beautiful oh, woman yeah, yeah, and just yeah. attract... And just... It's a very sexy performance, too. Yeah, yeah it, it's handled really uh, well with her. And, and I think she I think she elevates the film. And I think that that, that goes with the grounded... She is kind of the grounded nature of the film. And I don't think the film works without her. I agree. So, I agree. Uh, we And then we... I mean, I guess we can get into our actual Ghostbusters. We have uh, Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore. You know, man, this guy deserves a love. He and does. I, and people have, I think he has been getting a lot of reappraisal in recent years where people have gone back and said, like, this guy's really good. And he is. Yeah. He's really good in this movie. And I can't wait to talk about him more next week, too. Yeah. But, like, he is really good in this movie. Yeah, well, I, I do. And he doesn't come in until, like, 40 minutes well, in. Well, I, I feel bad for him a little bit because, obviously, and, and I mean, we'll talk about it more with fun facts, casting, right. and all that. But, obviously. He kind of gets undervalued out of everybody. Well, the role was meant to be bigger. It was supposed to be somebody else. Like, he keeps saying yep. it was, the role was meant to and be bigger. they cut it down. And they cut it down. And you could, I mean, you could argue that, like, that's not a good sign that the one African-American character in the movie. Is or getting major, cut down. Yeah, right. Is getting cut down. But because, almost, because they couldn't get this one actor. They couldn't get the one guy to do it. So. Then they cut down the role. Yep. And, but I feel like with what he is given in this movie, I think he really nails it. He, 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 I really like when he, he, come, yeah. when he enters the movie. He like, doesn't I, have an, a lot to do. He is yeah. an afterthought because that's that's the character's made an afterthought. Mm-hmm. But he really elevates himself and makes him stand out. And I think that going into next week when he gets a little bit more screen time because he's already established as a character, that, that I think that helps because Ernie Hudson really makes the most out of, out of what he has. He makes the most out of what he has. And again, he's the outsider looking in, yeah. in a way. Like he kind of just joins this crazy world out of nowhere. And it's funny because, you know, all three of the other guys, they're like, you know, these scientists, they claim, I don't know about Venkman exactly, but you can well, tell. He's a, he's a psychiatrist, isn't he? Or he's psychologist. Something he's like that. He's a psychologist, that, yeah. but I. I guess he is. I guess he is to a degree. He's in the I think, I think he oversells. Some, yeah. <laughs> oversells. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's like not. he's like I have PhDs, and I'm like, do you? Because I don't think you do. Like, but he's I think not, he oversells. But he's all, he's just not on the same level as as, as Ray or or when you look at Ray Egon and yeah. Egon. Clearly, these are like PhD level guys who like really have a craft that they study. But then like I think Venkman's <laughs> more the men, the mental science. Yeah. yeah. But then like uh, Ernie Hudson comes in and it's like. I flew planes in the I just, war. I flew really, planes yeah. in the war, and I just want to, like, I just need a job. And they hire him right on the spot. And he, he is really great in this role. He really is. He's the most grounded Ghostbuster, yeah. too. That's the other thing. He's the most grounded Ghostbuster. He gets absorbed with this world, but he also has some great line reads, yeah. too. I've seen <laughs> that'll turn you white. 
Amazing. Well, he also has a really great, like, kind of dramatic scene with Ray when they're driving. When they're driving in, in, in the, the car, car. Yeah. and he's ta- and he's driving, and talking and he's, about the apocalypse. Yeah, and he's and, talking and about the, like the, uh, the religion and the, and the Bible verse yes, and stuff yes. like that. Yeah, the ravage. Yeah, or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But but uh, <laughs> whatever it is. But they're t- you know they're talking about all this mm-hmm. and 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 you know about like what could happen and and the end of the world and all that stuff. And it's really it's 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 kind of comedic just because of the tone of the movie overall. But it's pretty dramatic. Mm-hmm. And and again, I think that he helps sell sell that. So the rapture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it that's is. That's the rapture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're talking about like the end of the world, and he really does sell it because he's. And he's, it, was he? Is well, he the one that gets the famous? line too right next time a god is told yes yeah. next ask, time a god asks you next time sorry. next time somebody asks you for your god you say yes yeah that whole scene is so good too that's a great scene because it, just that build up to it like you like like she's like are you a god he turns around looks at bill murray and bill murray kind of gives him the like yeah man you're a guy like god, just say yes and he turns around he's like no and then just like what are you doing and then like yeah, and then he just, yeah, it's so good. And he just leans over and he's like, next time someone asks you a god, say yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, and obviously. An undervalued Ghostbusters. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, Ernie Hudson's been right, been been riding that train for a long time. Oh, but, yeah, but, for sure, but, for uh, sure. I, but I think that that's really, uh, that's really but great. But he's committed. He's great. He's, he's really committed. great. He's, he's really like, great. he's into it. He's committed. Oh, next we have uh, the late, great Harold Ramis as Egon Spengler. Oh, man. This is also a great performance. Yeah, I really do. I think this is. I really think this is a great performance. Um, as as well as being like a gifted writer, I also think he was a very uh, gifted comedic actor yeah. in his own right as well. Like I, I don't think it's on. It's nowhere near the level of like Rick Moranis or anything like yeah. that. But he but he, he really plays this great straight man. He's a great straight. That's what it is. He's a great straight man because he's not. His character's not funny. Really. He has a couple he's, of he's funny got quirks. He's got like the, quirks. The Twinkie thing is funny, right? Yeah. But, like what makes it funny is that he's he's saying it so seriously, yeah, because he truly believes it, and it's not meant. He doesn't think it's funny, but the audience will look at it and go, yeah. 500 pound Twinkie. What are you talking? Like yeah. everyone's just kind of like it's really you know he he believes it so hard that it's funny. There's little thing, little quirks like they 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 never they never say it outright, mm-hmm. but the fact that like. He loves the snack, right? He loves candies and right, stuff like right. that. Like, like uh, Peter Rankman gives him the crunch bar in the beginning of the movie. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, great job doing this. I got you this snack. Or yeah. he's got the Twinkie. He's always he's eating like a snack or whatever. Or, and like, he also, uh, there's also a really great scene when they're all sitting around eating the Chinese. Venkman and Ray have beers. He has a Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that yeah, interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah like is, he, yeah. Because he likes the snack and he doesn't, uh, I guess, partake in alcohol. So yeah. he's like, I'll, I'll just. It's a little character drinks, trait. It's yeah. a little character trait. Like, like everyone else is drinking beer and he's drinking a Coke because of his love of snacking. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it really is this great. And he is, um, yeah, like you said, the, the straight man of it all, but also like, uh, probably the most intelligent of yeah, all well, the Ghostbusters, well, they, right? The, well, I think the thing that they said, and I don't know if I have this in the fun facts or not, is that, is that they, they always look at it and they kind of made fun of this anyway, but they always looked at it as, as Egon was the brains, yep. raised the heart. And Peter's the mouth. Yes, <laughs> of the Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's exactly so, what it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he really, he really is uh, great in this in this role. Yeah, and, he's and really good. Egon and, uh, is is really is it's really great. Yeah, yeah I kind of like I like his, his his little bit of chemistry with Annie Potts. Too. Yeah, the they yeah. they, 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 they kind of they, they, they play with it a little bit. They like drop a romantic it in the thing. second one. Yeah, but they do. They play with it in this first one. Yeah, and they kind of bring it back in Afterlife. I was going to say, isn't it's revealed that in Afterlife that, I mean, I mean, spoilers, I guess, and I have never even seen the movie, but isn't it revealed that they, that they were married or they had a relationship? 
Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I believe so. so. I haven't seen the movie in a while, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, that's what. It is. Well, she's the is she the grandmother? I think of the fa- of the family. I think right. Andy Potts is a very small role. In oh, is she? okay. So. Yeah, it's a very small. I think it's revealed they had a relationship, but he wasn't emotionally available. Okay, so maybe not. I don't. The, he's not the grand. She's not oh, the okay. grandmother. So I thought she was. Well, I thought no, she no, was. No, no, okay, I, think, so I, I believe she she is like she was looking after the grounds at some. Point, oh, okay. So like after he passes in the movie, gotcha. But like it is it it's it's it is suggested that they did have a relationship, well, I mean, it, but that it, he wasn't emotionally yeah, available. Well, that's kind of what this movie shows. Exactly. Yeah, so. Um, I don't know, I guess I I guess they overestimated Afterlife too much. I don't know. I can't I can't wait to watch. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you did then, overestimate it. You you sure did. <laughs> uh, then we have uh, Dan Aykroyd as Ray Stance. I like this performance a lot. Yeah. I really do. He's got some funny lines in here. Yeah. Like again, this is another movie where I I like undervalued Dan Aykroyd a lot, and I, I I'm like I, I again he was a huge I would say huge comedy star in the 70s and 80s. I mean, yeah. like, SNL obviously gives him that break. but Blues like, Brothers. Blues Brothers is such a good movie. And then beyond that, like, he's got Ghostbusters. He does, uh, I think it's Trading Places. Yes. I think he does Trading Places. But he's, he's a very, like, he's a comedic force in the 80s. He's very, like, obviously it's kind of fallen off more now. And I think once we, you kind of hit the 90s, it falls off. But... One of the biggest comedic stars of the '80s is Dan yeah. Aykroyd. Well, you still but, see him pop up every now and then in a movie, and he and like usually a smaller role. Yeah, and, yeah. And he, but, but he's I, nowhere near the height of no, his popularity no. as he was during this. But time. I think of even something like, and I know this is a while ago anyway, but like something like Fifty First Dates, where he pops up as like the doctor. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes. Like, and I'm like, oh, I saw like a You're clip like, of oh, that. Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I saw a clip of that recently. I was like, oh yeah, Dan Aykroyd's the, the doctor. Yep. Like, yep. you know, I really like his line because he's also kind of uh, childish. A little yeah, bit. well, he's I got mean, some child. Like you're saying, he's the, the, heart. the heart. Yeah, and and that and that is because of the kind of a bit of like the childish nature to him. I love when they're looking at the uh, the, the old firehouse that they're going to buy. Oh yeah, and he's look at this pole. Does this still work? He slides <laughs> down. And he's like he's like, wow, this is awesome. I'm gonna go get my stuff, and you're just, you're just like what? Like, just, like he's acting like such a child, yeah, like, and like Venkman and Egon are like sitting there looking at each other, and they're just like he causes right. the marshmallow, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man to come down. And, yeah, yeah, he's the one that causes it because he's like it just popped in my head. He's like I just tried to think of something from my childhood that was harmless, and he's like it's it's very it's a very very good performance, and he really captures the energy of what the character oh, is yeah. supposed to be yeah. very well. I think that's his dedication. I think he, I think, you well, it's, know, his, it's his baby. He well, yeah, I, I think he's the, obviously of the four, he's the one that's most committed to this. And I think he's the one that wanted this to work the most. And yes. he's over the years still is the one that is the most pushing. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's always been pushing for a, another one for more, for more, for oh, doing yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. He's a big, he, he loves it. Yeah. He loves it. Uh, and then finally, uh, we have Bill Murray as Peter Venkman. We love Bill Murray here. Okay. But I am I will... S- no, after you. I don't think I like Peter Venkman, at least in this movie. I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's almost... It's complicated because I, I love Bill Murray. I love his work. I think he's an incredible actor. Yeah. And I do think he's good in this movie yeah i do i think he's very good in this movie and i think he has a lot of very funny like off the cuff lines that he delivers just randomly yeah oh um, yeah he's he's it's 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 a good performance it's a, it's gr- a good it's a performance gr- it's a great i would say comedic great yeah i would say yeah. it's a great comedic performance just the way he's like firing off lines like it's no big deal and coming up with things i mean it's it's a great comedic performance yeah. but the character of peter venkman is very slimy yeah and it's he's it's almost a very like, 80s it's a very 80s thing and it's it's weird that they invested 
in kind of this uh, slimy character to be kind of the hero of this movie, yeah. in a way. Because he have, is the main character of this movie. He is the main character of this movie. That's what's weird, because I'm, I'm like, when you have Ray and you have Egon and even Winston there, I would have rather seen maybe one of them be the lead, because they're so much more interesting than what Vinkman is doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, that's just, uh, that's personal preference, but I agree with you. I think the character of Venkman is not a likable character. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's definitely a product of its time. Yes. I think it worked better in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, everybody loved Bill Murray and loved this role coming off this movie. He, he was at the height of his, yeah. I mean, really hitting the height of his popularity. And I think that, I mean, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about that, I guess, more next week of, of his, kind of his reaction to that and to this movie and yeah. and, and what he does after this. But I, I think that uh, the character, yeah, even in an introduction where he's like zapping the, the guy during the therapy session and just hitting on the girl and letting her get all the answers right. Yeah. And, it's very creepy. It's, it's creepy. It's very like he, uncomfortable like he's, he's to watch. Just, he's just doing it for a quick yeah. lay. I didn't think that that was funny. That no, that to no. me, I wasn't offended. I'm not offended, but like <laughs> I just didn't think the comedy of that worked. Now in, in today's day think, and age, yeah, yeah, that that stuff is a little creepy. One of the positives, though, like I said, outside of like the great comedic performance he gives. I think even beyond that, I think his chemistry with Sigourney Weaver oh, is like yeah. off the charts. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're really good together. And, like, and I like them a lot. I think that they, I think that they do actually fix the character a little bit more in they the do. second one. Oh, in the second time. one, yeah. Big time. Yeah. He's not as creepy. He's not as creepy. They, they yeah. tone it back a lot. Yeah, he, they play him up more as a jerk than a, than a creep. You yes. know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, it is. And, and obviously, I know Bill Murray, he's very eccentric just as a person. Like right. we mentioned the thing with the phone already. Obviously, just had this legendary career. There, There is currently kind of the weird thing of... Um, he, had the, he recently had problems on set, I guess, um, when he was filming he, that he movie. Did, he did address it. Yeah. He did address it. He said that the 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 belief is he's doing this movie, I believe it's with Kiki Palmer. Yes. Um and the the belief he is played that with her something, hair. Is that what happened? Yeah, he did something on set to her. I guess that's what it was. He must have played with her hair and yeah. she immediately I, was like, No. I think what was implied He thought it was funny. Yeah. And I think that it was that either he was he did it once and she was like, Just don't touch my hair and yeah. He did it again. He pushed because that's what Bill Murray does. Bill Murray he pushes seems the to like yeah. push the envelope or likes to push buttons. Yes, he did it again, and she got very upset. Yeah, and which is understandable. Is, yes, it is understandable. I, I, especially, I I think <laughs> it's it's weird, but I think we're in this age now where maybe Bill Murray's type of humor isn't working. It's as a, much it's, a, it's a clash of generations. It's a clash of generations where he th- where he almost feels like. Um, where he, I, I would imagine he feels like, you know, like you said, his thing is pushing buttons and is yeah. pushing the envelope. And Kiki Palmer, who is this uh, very young, bright star, bright talent from a different generation, yeah. is like, you know, don't touch my well, hair. And that's I, also that's also a big thing uh, within the black community. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Hair. yeah. And um, I think he thought it was funny and he kept going. Yeah. And that obviously upset her. And yeah. I know they had to shut down production on that movie for a couple weeks yeah. while they tried to hash it out. I believe it's... Film? I don't. I don't think it is. It's not. I don't think it is. I, so they're probably. But I don't. Just I, don't not. I don't know. I don't. I. I. I think they quiet. They just kind of quietly shut it down. They haven't handled. They haven't addressed anything. Hmm. So I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's filming um, again because I know when he addressed it, he kind of said like we're. He didn't say her name. He didn't say it was her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he said the person that I had the issue with. We are. He's like we're. Tra- he's like I think we respect each other and our work. 
He's like, but we're just trying to get through this thing. Well, I, I and, think I think it is very much a class of generations, and I think I think the the younger generation, and even even our generation, but I think even even younger than us. And I I, I don't I think he keep Palmer's around our age anyway. But I think our, sure, our yeah. generation, even younger, I think is very is very much kind of becoming of the my my body my space kind of thing. Like yeah, like yeah. don't invade me. Like don't you know don't like very much like. You can't touch me without my permission, without my my consent. And there's nothing like wrong that. with that. Yeah. No, 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 I think I think that's the way. That's the yeah, way it should. That's the way it should, should be. be. Like, don't touch me. But I think asking. that I think that an older generation very much was like I can kind of do what I want and interact with what I want. And in his mind, I'm sure he's he's not thinking that he's doing any harm to her. Right. You know what I mean? Because he's not hurting her. He's not, from what we understand, he's not hurting her. He, he didn't abuse her or, right. or, or, or say anything, anything offensive. Anything like that. Right. Yeah. It's just like, I think it was like, well, I, back in the day I could do that. Yeah. But we're not back in the day anymore. Right. Like, times we're have in, changed. We're in 2022. Yeah. Now, that, when somebody says that to you, back off. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't do it again, essentially. Exactly. So, but, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, you know, but I, 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 He's still in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and, and Marvel would be very... Disney would very much be the first person if there was any signs of problematic behavior to, to cut somebody out of a movie. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah and it I don't think that it's... I don't think it was on a major level like that. No, It was no. like he needed to get axed. I think it was just a personal thing between both of them. And again, don't know if that movie's happening or if it's, I'm not sure what happened with yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know what happened with it either. All, last I heard, production was shut down for yeah. like two weeks while they yeah. were working it out. But who knows? But anyway, but no, Bill no, Murray. But, yeah, Bill Murray. And, but yeah, it, it's a great comedic, comedic performance. performance. Maybe not the best comedic character. Maybe not the best comedic character. In yeah. this film. I like when, uh, uh, when he goes to the apartment and uh, she's already possessed by Zool and she goes into the room and like he knows that she's possessed he's all like as soon as she opens the door he knows but like when he goes into the room and she like goes in and she's like laying down on the bed and then he's like standing at the door and he's like are we still going out like, <laughs> like, like he's so bummed he's like are yeah. we still going out he's just it's very it's very funny that's funny uh well uh want to jump into a synopsis i guess let's do the synopsis all right so uh a group of scientists form a ghost hunting team and find themselves New York's only hope against an evil ancient spiritual force and a giant marshmallow man. Love it. So, uh, talk story real quick. Just real quick. It's a very interesting story. It's a very, uh, I get, like we said, iconic story. Yes, you know? it's an iconic story. I think it's also a story that uh, maybe is a little undervalued nowadays um, because... I think this movie really ushers in that idea of like blending genres like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, which I think is a really important thing going forward. We start to see more comedy movies do that, start to blend genres. Yeah. And this does a really good job of blending the sci-fi and the comedy together and creating this like cocktail of well, I think comedy. Especially but, like, when we live in a world of like Marvel movies, comedy is so ingrained in Marvel movies. Right. That I think people have come to expect any big blockbuster action movie or adventure yep. movie or even superhero movie or whatever to have comedy and humor in it. But I think back in the day, the fact that this was a comedy and a science fiction film right. was, was you know, not, again, not the first, you know what I mean? But like pretty groundbreaking, you know what I mean? The right. fact that they, they blended them so well and, and to the point that I think even now we're having trouble because it, I think that uh, it's either when they when they do like another Ghostbusters movie, like I think w when we go to like 2016 and, and mm -hmm. just based off of what I remember when I watched that movie, that's more comedy than 
it is science fiction or like they try to push the comedy more and then I feel like Afterlife pushes the science fiction more than the comedy oh, yeah. you know Big what I mean so like time, yeah. I don't think they can ever really properly find that blend that blend that again. proper blend yeah. again yeah I agree with you but that's what's so special about this movie is that it does find that perfect blend and it, yeah. that's why it works so well well even then for me because because the, a lot of the humor is older and I was familiar with it it, yeah. it, it, it did feel more of a science fiction it does feel more science fiction yeah. the, the comedy is 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 aged and there's some there's still funny lines in there you oh know, yeah it's still very stuff funny that movie works. there's still stuff that works today but like it, it is a very uh different movie nowadays to look at and just go oh that's interesting like i find sci-fi more interesting than this, the comedy aspect of it but yeah. that's what made it special that's why it's so iconic yeah well you want to just bleed that into our opinions i do i do so what that. are your uh, overall opinions on this film i think this is a really great iconic movie you know there's no doubt about it like i i don't think i've ever met anyone in my life who has said they dislike ghostbusters i really don't i think everybody either likes or loves this movie to some degree right like it's on that scale of like to love i've never met somebody who went ghostbusters is trash because i don't think those people exist i think this movie is just so iconic and permeated in culture that we just all accept this is a great movie. There's no doubting it. It just is. Like you were saying at the top of the show, this movie just is. It's It, it exists. It's Ghostbusters. It's Ghostbusters. It is. It exists. And it's great. There's nobody who can really turn around and say, like, it's a bad movie. Like, I just, I don't think that's true. I think yeah. it's a very well-made movie. For what it accomplishes, I think it's a groundbreaking movie, and I think it deserves its iconic status yeah. for what it does yeah. uh, for movies going forward. I mean, this it, it's it's a special movie. Yeah, it you know? is. There's no doubt. It, I mean, it's a it's a really enjoyable film. It manages to stand the test of time. Like this movie is almost forty years old. I know, and I think it, I think it's. It's it's still pretty effective. It's maybe not as effective as it was in 1984, but it's mm-hmm. still very effective. Right. You know, when you um, have a movie that is still getting released every like Halloween oh, yeah. weekend in theaters, I mean, come on. Yeah, I might try to see it in theaters. Yeah, you know the, I mean? I, like, they'll do it this year. Yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah, end of October, like mid to end of October, they just start playing it. Yeah. Uh, there there's some there's, like we mentioned, there's some aspects that don't work in modern times, like Peter Bankman and stuff. Yeah, it's a little questionable, a little unappealing, but mm-hmm. but overall, like I think the characters are a delight. I think the story is really fun, right? And I think I think just fun is is kind of the key word for this. It, it's it's a fun movie. It's a blast, yeah. isn't it? It's a blast of a movie. That's why it's so fun to turn on because you're like, at least I know I'm going to have fun, and at least I know I'm going to have a blast because it's great. Yeah, you know. Uh, what are your uh, what's your score for this movie? I give this movie four stars. Yeah, I because, did too. I, because yeah. I think it deserve. I think it just deserves that. You know, yeah. I think because of how iconic it is, because of how legendary it is, by default. I don't think can be lower than four yeah. stars. I'm like, I think it just is, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I, and, I, and I obviously understand why somebody would give this even higher, you know? I know, I'm sure there's oh, people who I know. give this there's, five. There's people but, who grew up in the 80s that yeah, are like, it's a five-star well, movie. Well, this, this is the thing that we, the conversation that we kind of had when we did Terminator is that there is a nostalgia. And, right. and I did not grow up why? I mean, like I said, this was around me, but I never sat down and watched it religiously. Like, it right. was around me. I was in it. I mean, I had, growing up, I think it was a hand-me-down toy, the, the old firehouse. Oh, wow. Like, the old nice. firehouse playset. Right, was, right. That was a great... I never awesome. I, I never used the Ghostbusters in it. Right, right. That was a great thing for, like, Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant mm-hmm. Turtles. I think even some WWF wrestlers nice, were in nice, there. Nice. Good old hardcore match in the Ghostbusters uh, firehouse. <laughs> But that was an awesome. I mean, I'm talking like multi-level like place. Wow, like that was it was awesome. And I don't know if I even knew it was Ghostbusters for a long time. But, right. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, the fact that like it was just so ingrained in in culture, and I don't have that nostalgia. Like I, like uh, the movie itself, like mm-hmm. everything around Ghostbusters, I feel like I have more nostalgia about than the actual movie. And I think people are very ingrained in like, oh, this is my childhood, so this is perfect. You know, right. this is, and and I think you as we we kind of mentioned. As we go through this whole franchise, one of the things I do want to talk about is kind of not even necessarily a toxic fandom, but just fandom in general. And what what do fans feel like they deserve out of a movie? What why do they do they feel they feel the the idea of fans feeling entitled uh, to yeah. to something out of a franchise, and yes. also the feeling of ownership of a franchise? Well, that that's that's my movie. Ghostbusters is mine. You know, Ghostbusters is mine. It can't be anybody else's. Yeah, exactly. And I was expecting this movie to be this. Yeah, and why didn't they do that? because I wanted it. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. Ooh, that's going to be interesting to talk about yeah. in the next few weeks, big time. Uh, but uh, let's talk uniqueness. What stands out to you in this film? Uh, the sci-fi comedy blend. I yeah. think this is kind of the first of its kind to really do that. Um, that really stands out. I, I would even say some of these like special effects they use, like, yeah, they, they you, you look at it now and you can see the age of it, yeah. but we kind of had that same thing with Terminator where there was like a stop, there's literally like a stop motion scene with the Terminator, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty wild. This one kind of has that same deal where it's a bit of like kind of like that stuff with the dog is a little bit like, you know, but it pioneers. Yeah. Kind of those special effects. I mean, I still think when they sh- when, like the beam shooting out still looks really fun. Yeah. Like, I it's think, a- and I would take the dog over the over the stop motion Terminator thing. Oh, any day, yeah. any day. Um, but but and and you mentioned too like like the, like there have obviously been blendings, but I just feel like this does it on another level because like one of the things I think about is like Scooby Doo. Yep. It's like a supernatural, and that's in the sixties. Yeah, yeah, that's a supernatural, but um, you know, comedic thing but i feel like that's also one it's never actually supernatural yeah and two uh it's an animated animated show so yep. i feel like the fact that they're doing on this larger scale this big blockbuster movie yeah i think that really stands out you're right, you're right. and right. uh the characters the special effects you're absolutely right about special effects and and again you're right that that blend of of, of those elements so mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot there's a lot there yeah for sure does this uh bring anything new I mean, just in general, <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it it, it, it is the sci fi element. It is the sci fi and comedy blend that's new. I think it's yeah. the story itself is new. Like this world they create, this grounded world they create, where they where they basically just say like we're in New York City and there's a paranormal event that happens. Yeah. And we have to go catch ghosts. Like that's like, and they, it becomes their job literally yeah. in the movie. They're just catching ghosts in the movie. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. And you're like, this is awesome. Like I, I think that really stands out. Well, you that never they, they question treat this, about it. Yeah. You never question it because they treat it as like, this is just happening. Like this is the world we live in. There's ghosts. We catch them and that's it. You pay us to catch ghosts. You just buy it and you go, yeah, that's fun. I'm yeah. in. And I think that really stands out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. The genre-bending elements that manage to tell an overall compelling story. Yeah. That's what's important. It's not a parody or, or, or outrageously over the top. It's just a movie about Ghostbusters. Right, yes. Yeah. Uh, what is the best scene in this movie? Oh, man. Um, I, clearly, it's Ray getting a from the ghost <laughs> i'm just kidding it's not that what a weird scene to put in this movie can we just like quickly and the fact that what a weird is scene. the fact that i feel like they definitely or i feel like dan Aykroyd definitely wrote that to be actually happening yeah and then they added that it was a dream it's such because a, it was just such a weird thing it is such like, a well, they weird can't have that actually happen what a weird scene every time i watch the movie i, I like i know that scene's coming up and i'm just like oh, this is such a weird like why are they putting this through this you know it's like the belt unbuckling it's 
oh my so god. That's your, so that's your choice. No, 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 that's not my choice. That's not my choice. No, no, no. I love the montage, actually. Yeah, I love one, yeah. the montage when they're playing the Ghostbusters the, song. The Fairy King. And you, and you get to see them, yeah, and you get to see them, like, going from place to place, and they're running around, like... <laughs> there's a really great shot when they're all, all three all three of them because um, Ernie Hudson hasn't entered the movie yet unfortunately but the three of them that are there during this montage they're running through the streets like full costume yeah. but you can see people in the back like laughing and smiling yeah. at them like they shot this like gorilla style yeah well that I think that was one of the first things they shot oh yeah. it's amazing and they're just running through the streets in this full costume yeah, people I, are like la- laughing I think and staring, Ivan Reitman and, said that that was like that's how he knew the movie was going to work like yes. when they got that shot like, like, oh, the movie's gonna work it's such yeah. a cool shot like I still like for whatever reason that always st- st- like kind of uh, sticks out in my mind where I'm like what a cool shot just watching them run through the streets but then people behind the camera you can literally see behind them on camera laughing and you're like they shot this gorilla style right yeah. out on the street that's really cool and they just like are fully committed during their run. They're just going, and yeah. they're like, "I'm like, this is awesome." But the montage yeah. is a lot of fun too because you just get a lot of like funny stuff in there outside of the Dan Aykroyd ghost scene. But everything else <laughs> is really good in there. Um, any scene with Lewis <laughs> yes, stands out there, 100. Uh, Dana being attacked in her apartment uh, both times with the eggs Ooh, and, and yes. also with the thing. When the, the things are busting out of the chair, that's a scary scene, man. It's a little scary. Yeah, it's it a little is. scary. No, I mean, I I peed myself watching that. I'm just kidding. You're such a lightweight. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Uh, the Ghostbusters becoming mainstream montage. Yeah, yes. I wrote that down as well. Uh, Ray and Winston talking in the car, like I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. But I think I have to pick the finale. The finale is just, finale is so, it's just good. so much fun. It is. Man. That's a really close second. I mean, that, the thing with this movie is there's so many good scenes. Yeah, oh yeah. That, like everything you just mentioned, if someone else could tell me that's their favorite scene I go absolutely I get yeah. why like I totally get why but yeah that finale I mean it's so good when they're on that roof and they morph into the dogs it opens up and uh, the god comes out I think it's Azul right it's that's- a gozer 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 comes <laughs> such a dumb name it sounds like a dog name gozer comes out and then the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man reveal is really great. I mean, all of it just really works. Yeah. And um, I also really liked during that scene when they beat the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, blows up. The three other Ghostbusters are covered. Yeah. And yeah, Bill yeah. Murray oh, yeah. walks out and he's, and he's just... got like one little thing. It's like yeah. one little thing. And you know that he walked out and said... Yeah, that would be really funny if I just didn't have as much on. I don't think he wanted it on. I don't think he did either. I don't think he did I think he was like, he was like, I'm not going to do that. They they talk about that in the commentary. I forget exactly what they say, but yeah. He's they, like, you can put a little bit, but yeah. I'm not going to do a lot. But it almost <laughs> benefits it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk connectivity. Uh, how does this uh, set the tone for the franchise? <laughs> it's such a weird, because you watch this movie and you almost don't feel like it should be a franchise, yeah. right? Like that's yeah. the weird thing about it. So you're kind of like... How does it set the tone when it doesn't really feel like it should be a franchise in a way? I guess it sets the tone. It sets the tone by <laughs> setting up this unique world that they've created and continuing to explore that in later movies. I guess that's really it. Like it really it sets up the world and it sets up these characters really well to go to a second movie. But I don't necessarily. think and that's another question i know but like it's 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 such a weird question because i'm yeah. like it, it it feels like it's not setting anything up yeah right I just think like that's the, the thing it i doesn't think it feel like it's doing that the introduction of the characters and and this fresh and funny idea is, right. what, is what i think it's it's doing but i'll, I'll use that but, but you're right it's 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 it not doesn't feel yeah. like it's like yeah it's weird but is this a worthy continuation of the franchise? Or I guess a, a worthy, worthy start. start. As yeah. a, a start to the franchise? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's a strong movie. We've already said that. It's a very strong movie. So, yeah, I think it's a worthy start. 
Well, my friend, before we do the future of the franchise, let's do some casting and some fun facts. And I have a couple other little bonus things we're going to talk about, too. Okay, okay. But uh, let's do casting first. So uh, let's let's do the big one. Let's do it. We keep talking about it. Yeah. The role of Winston was written for... Eddie Murphy. Yes. It was written for Eddie Murphy with the character joining the team much earlier in the movie. But the role was reduced when Murphy declined the role. Could you imagine? Like, I know, like... You know, this is something... I mean, Aykroyd has talked about this constantly. But Eddie Murphy is, like, height of his fame right now. Like, he is the savior of SNL. People are tuning into SNL specifically to watch him. Because it's, like... 19, you he, have to think this is, like, 1982, 83. Yeah, well, the, the, the other number one... The number one... We talked about this is the number two box office movie yeah. of the year. Number one... Yep. Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Cop. Cop yeah. Which is him. So, it's like, he is... On top of his game right now. Didn't He's the savior of SNL. Lorne Michaels has left SNL. He left SNL in 1980. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy is often credited as the guy who saved the show. Didn't Eddie Murphy literally host the show while yes. being a cast member? Yes. Yeah. He was hosting the show while being a cast, being member. A cast member. And again, this was like the years that Lorne wasn't there. He was keeping the show going essentially. Yeah. Um, and then Lorne came back I think in like 85. And, that was, and, and Murphy left in like 84. But, like, it's just insane to think, like, imagine this movie with Eddie Murphy. It would have been even bigger than we think now. But I think it's almost better that it's Ernie Hudson because I think Eddie would overshadow the movie. I actually think he would overshadow Bill Murray and Aykroyd and every... Because he's a very big performer. And I also don't am not sure if he would do a supporting thing yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't that. know if the... Especially ca- in the 80s, he was very big. I, I, I'm sure the character got rewritten when it wasn't Eddie Murphy. But for the way Winston is in this movie, I don't think it would work with Eddie right. Murphy. I think yeah. I think he's too much personality. Absolutely. But I'm sure it would have been... I'm sure that, that Dan Aykroyd's original script or version or whatever had uh, Murphy in a, in a much... In a role Prominent that much... Role. Yeah, well, that fit his personality right. better, you know? Yeah. But uh, some other, some other uh, casting things. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's original concept of the film featured himself and John Belushi... Uh, mm-hmm. In there as well, but uh, Belushi passed away before the original script was complete. Correct. Um, some people who uh, were considered for the role of Peter Venkman, they wanted if Bill, Bill Murray. If Bill Murray did if not, if Bill commit, Murray did not show up day one, here's who they wanted: um, Michael Keaton. <clears throat> yeah, that's really good. He keeps popping up on these. Yeah, lists. he keeps popping up on these lists. But that, uh, but isn't that such a testament to how talented he yeah. is? It really is. Uh, Chevy Chase. I wouldn't like that. Tom Hanks. I would like that. Robin Williams. Ooh. Steve Gutenberg. Okay. And Richard Pryor were apparently all considered wow. the role of Peter Bankman. What a stacked cat. Yeah. Like, that's pretty stacked. Yeah. Um, a lot of those people I would like to see. Richard Pryor's really interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Because when you said Tom Hanks, I immediately was like, of course 80s Hanks could do this. Yeah. 80s Hanks could easily do this. Because he was kind of doing comedies in the 80s like yeah. that anyway. I think Bachelor Party was this year. I think Bachelor Party was this year. So yeah. could you, Or like, no, it was uh, Splash. Splash was you this could, year. You could one, yeah, you're right. Because you said uh, Splash was number 10 in yeah. the box office. So imagine this. Tom Hanks with that. And, and Bachelor Party is this year And too. Bachelor Party, yeah. yeah. So if he had that outfit on... I could see it. Yeah. Because he would he would fit right in. I think he could absolutely do it. Robin Williams is an interesting choice. But again, yes. I think that is a case of... I think he would overshadow everybody. Yeah. Because he would be really big. He's like Murphy in a way. Like, he's a very big performer. Yeah. yeah. Especially in the 80s with all the comedy. I mean, he would just be over... Because he doesn't really get to that dramatic acting point till the late 80s. 
but that early 80s Williams is like yeah I mean he's like he's literally off the wall I mean he is like on another level so huh that's really interesting I don't Chevy Chase no though (laughs) no to Chevy Chase can we also do you remember when Chevy Chase also came up for the role of Terminator yeah a a lot of these people also came up for the role of Terminator so I wonder if like but do you remember remember when we were talking about that we were like nude Chevy Chevy Chase Chase coming down I wonder though because I think uh, I think Keaton wasn't Keaton on the Terminator list I think and I think wasn't Robin Williams on the, I think Robin Williams was on the Terminator list, wasn't he? I guess they just had a list of the same people. Yeah. And they're like, does this guy want it? Does this guy does want it? Does this guy yeah. want it? But I will say for this movie in particular, I would pick Hanks Pryor or Keaton. Because yeah. I think any all, those three alone, I think, could really be interchangeable. Yeah. I think I would probably go if I had to rank these people, it'd probably be Hanks number one. Of course. Keaton number two. Just be like who I think would be who would fit the role the best. I think sure. Hanks could really do that really well. I think Keaton number two. I think probably prior. Then I maybe put Robin Williams just because, like you said, I think he'd be so big. Right. I'd probably put Chevy Chase over Steve Gutenberg just because. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> but, uh, He's a comedy star, but like you know, yeah. I, I just I think he'd be a little bit more. We do the Police Academy, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you mentioned uh, the that uh, you know we said Michael Keaton's name keeps popping up. Sure. Um, and you said that's a testament to how he is as an actor. Well, for the role of Egon, uh, considered we're a Michael Keaton. Oh my god! <laughs> Egon, <laughs> they really wanted. Oh, they really movie. wanted Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, Christopher Walken. Well, how does that even? No, 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 no. John Lithgow. Yes, I will take that actually. Christopher Lloyd. I would take that too. And Jeff Goldblum. I would take. I would take that too. <laughs> Holy, <laughs> shit. that's a lot of. That's a lot of really like yeah. great. Yeah, I think Goldblum would be. Goldblum would be excellent. Goldblum would be excellent. Like that character fits his nature yeah. almost perfectly. Oh my god, he would be really good in that role. Yeah. For Dana, uh huh. Some uh, people who who uh, auditioned auditioned uh, Daryl Hannah, uh, Denise Crosby, Julia Roberts. Wow. And Kelly LeBrock all auditioned for the role of Dana. Julia Roberts, I would take. That would be yeah. Yeah, that would be great. She would be excellent. Uh, do you know who was originally offered the role of Louis Tully? I don't, actually. Uh, John Candy. Oh, maybe I did know that. Yeah, I think I did know that. Yeah. John Candy John would Candy. be... Again, as we've talked about on this podcast, I don't think we've really talked John Candy a lot. Yeah. Well, um, apparently it was written for him. The role was written for John wow. Candy. Wow. And he did, and he turned it down. So, well, before we talk about John Candy, oh, okay. I'll just say this. Um, he didn't fully understand the character, apparently. Okay. And they talk about how apparently he wanted... To I guess accentuate the character by uh, ha- giving him a German accent as well as several German shepherds. That makes sense. Yeah, and, that sounds like a John Candy thing. Um, and he eventually just decided not to do it. But then they told him, "Oh, we're gonna go to Rick Moranis." I think he's like, "Yeah, that's a better, it's a better pick." Right. Uh, and they said they said no to the dog thing because like we already have a lot of dog imagery with like right. the with statues the, yes, and yes. we don't want to have all that. But yeah, could you imagine Lewis just being like this German like next door right. neighbor? Like that, that's that's too it's, much. It's a little too much. I yeah. think he, but that's kind of the thing with John Candy he likes to really like get into a character yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and do something comedic but I think him and Rick Moranis are almost like one in the same though in like the terms of like great comedic performers yeah. I think they're both incredible but I think they both do different things in a way you know yeah oh like yeah they're, like they're both great comedic performers but they both kind of like Candy can also kind well, of well they both have a lot I think they, they Candy they, can tune into that they dramatic both have the same too. don't they have like a lot of the same background they do the, yeah, yeah they yeah. came from the same place yep. or whatever yep. yeah um, we'll be talking to John Candy eventually 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 
we'll, we'll talk about John Candy eventually. Uh, but yeah, uh, almost let it slip. The <laughs> the role okay. of uh, Gozer was originally envisioned to be a business suited architect portrayed by uh, Paul Rubens. Love Paul Rubens. Pee Wee. Pee Wee Herman himself before he passed in the role. This is Larry King's film debut. Good for Larry King. star Larry King. Uh, and Bill Murray only agreed to do the film with a deal stating that Columbia would make his passion project the Razor's Edge, the Razor's Edge, an adaptation of a book, and Murray's first foray into dramatic acting. Did that work? Did that movie work? No, it did. Not. No, it did not. Okay, <laughs> I didn't think so. And I, uh, I, I have this. I think I, I think I have this for Ghostbusters too. But uh, Bill Murray, after 1984, does not do another movie for four years, almost five years. After Ghostbusters, yeah. After 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 1984. So wow. Ghostbusters and The Razor's Edge, and then he doesn't do both another. came at, yeah, and and wow. so he has the biggest hit of his career, yeah, and also kind of the biggest flop of his career. And he goes, "I'm just walking off into the sunset because yeah. you know, I, at least publicly, is I, Ghostbusters two his return? Uh no, it's another movie. Okay, it's another movie." Yeah, because yeah. Murray's got some. I think stuff. It, I think it's like four. I, I, well, I think the, the other movie came out the same year. I think. Right. Um, okay. It's, uh, well, it's Scrooged. Oh, it's Scrooged. Scrooge. Okay. Scrooge's well, return. Well, yeah. he. I don't think he likes that movie either. Really? I. I, I from yeah. what I've heard, I think he disliked that movie. But there's some stuff with Murray, kind of in the late '80s and early '90s. There. I mean, I'm sure you know, but like with Groundhog Day, that destroyed his relationship with Howard Ramis. Yeah. Like he was. A he lot, was. He, he didn't in, like it. Or? Infamously, infamously, was very difficult to work with yeah. during that movie. Like, was infamously incredibly difficult. Made like. Ramus's life like hell on that movie yeah and it destroyed their relationship and then they didn't speak again totally until right. Ramus was on his deathbed yeah, yeah. i mean it, it completely destroyed and there was some stuff with murray there in in the 80s and 90s it's, where he was well, he's been known to he can be difficult to work he can with. be difficult to work with yeah and uh, but i think at that particular time there was there was a lot of personal issues like heavy yeah. drinking and stuff like yeah. that that was well, playing like into said, it like, but you know, you watch like the movies that made us episode about Ghostbusters. They're like, we didn't even know if he was going to show up. Yeah, we, we didn't weren't know if sure. He was show up, yeah, and he did. But like, yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. But uh, some fun facts. Uh, the idea of the film came from Dan Aykroyd's personal fascination with ghosts, as we know, and the paranormal that was passed down through his family. So his whole family has ties into the paranormal and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I did one time get a from a ghost. That's true. I think he did that claim is, that. that. I actually is, think he did claim that. That happened. I'm pretty sure he is stated Ryan, that, that happened. <laughs> uh, the majority of Bill Murray's lines are ad-libs, and almost none of the scenes in the film are as scripted. Makes that, sense. But that's that's why it's such a strong performance. Yeah. It's because he's ad-libbing things. Aykroyd's original script took place in the future with there being many groups of intergalactic oh Ghostbusters. But Ivan Reitman expressed fears of the idea costing too much and being impossible to make. You so know he, he, he wanted the Ghostbusting to already be a thing. Dan Aykroyd, the, he just dreams too big sometimes. Yeah. Especially for, maybe that's something that could have been like, if they ever made that third movie, maybe that could have been something. But like, for a first movie, you can't just throw all yeah. that in. Well, I think Reitman has been on record saying like, it would have cost $300 million yeah. in 1984 yeah. we to couldn't, make. We yeah. couldn't have done that. So Gordon Weaver suggested for Dana to become possessed by Zool, as well as for her to be a musician instead of a model. So that's that, interesting. That was her way. They, they wanted her to be a model, and she said, well, can I be a musician? Can I be a musician? What a great yeah. way. But also, I didn't know she suggested getting possessed by Zool. Apparently, You yeah. think that would just be in the script? Well, apparently, wow, she, really cool. she wanted to be in the movie because she wanted to do a comedy. Right. Because she was like the alien girl. Well, she girl. was the alien girl. Yeah. yeah, she had done kind of this like horror thing for yeah. a while. Yeah, well, this big kind of bad 
dramatic right. character, and she's like, oh, I can do comedy, you know. And she's Dana's not really a comedic character right. too much that we talked about, but just the fact that she's in here, you yeah. know, one hundred percent. She she makes it work. I'm, I know everybody knows this, but the title Ghostbusters was previously used by a '70s children's show, and therefore was not legally able to be used originally. So other titles had to be considered, including Ghost Stoppers, Ghost Breakers, and Ghost Mashers. Uh, and alternate takes were even filmed using an alternate name for the group. Yep. Uh, eventually, they, they did get those rights. So it's a very pretty yeah. convoluted long story. There's, not well, there's, into it, but, yeah, and there's yeah. literally that there's that one famous like image where they're not hanging the Ghostbuster sign. It's the Ghost. Breakers, it says Ghost Breakers, or yeah. something that they're hanging over, and then they refilm the scene with Ghostbusters when they yeah. got the rights. Uh, the character of Slimer was originally referred to as Onion Head yep. due to the horrible smell of the character that was going to be displayed more uh, prominently in a deleted scene, and was also referred to as the Ghost of John Belushi yep. because he was uh, loosely inspired by the character of Bluto in Animal House, played yes. by John Belushi. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, the name Slimer was uh, not attributed to the character until the 1986 animated series, The Real Ghostbusters. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that name came out from the from the uh, cartoon. We're um, gonna have uh, a big extended franchise, I think, with Ghostbusters. Yeah, I'm a little worried about this. <laughs> I haven't really started it yet. I'm 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 a little hesitant. I love to... I love the I love the. Yeah, I'm a little worried about that. Like it's it's from what I, I it is big. I know it's big. Yeah, I I actually I'm, I'm in the, we'll talk about it also off mic, but uh, I, on air production I, meeting. I have a uh, I have a, a suggestion for uh for uh the Ghostbusters retrospective. Okay. So so, cool. so we we uh we might have a little surprise. Okay. There. Uh, but uh two other little things we're going to talk about uh lawsuit. Talk yes. about a lawsuit. Love so, a good uh, lawsuit. Not sure if you're familiar. Do you know what the lawsuit's about? I feel like when you say it, I'm going to know it. Um, but it feels like all these things have always been talked about. But. So uh, so we're going to talk about the song. Yes. Okay. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Huey Lewis. Yes, yes, Huey yes. Lewis was originally approached to compose the movie's theme, uh, but could not due to his commitment to uh, Back to the Future. Yep. Good choice, Huey Lewis. Great choice. Lewis's song, I Want a New Drug, was used as a temporary placeholder during a montage in the middle of the film due to its appropriate temp- uh, tempo... Uh, before Ray Parker Jr. wrote Ghostbusters with a similar riff to match the montage. Right. Not long after the release of the film, Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker Jr. for plagiarism, claiming that he copied the melody from I Want a New Drunk. I think they sound very familiar. My brother and I get in this conversation <laughs> a lot. I think they sound very familiar. Right. Um, he thinks it's it's fine. I think there is absolutely... A little bit of plagiarism going on. A little bit. Like, well, so... We'll continue. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> the case was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount of money with a confidentiality agreement that prohibited talking about the case. Mm. Ray Parker Jr. would later go on to sue Huey Lewis after he reasserted that Parker Jr. stole the song during a 2001 episode of AH1's Behind the Music. So Huey Lewis went on to the Behind the Music and still said again, oh, he stole my song for Ghostbusters, even though they had an agreement. He wasn't supposed to talk about it anymore. Right. So then Ray Parker Jr. sued back. Sued him back. Wow. Um, uh, Ray Parker Jr. stated, I got a lot of money out of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's um, incredible. The filmmakers admitted during a 2004 article in Premiere Magazine that they gave film footage featuring I Want a New Drug in it to Ray Parker Jr. to help him in the writing process. Yeah, there's some stuff there. Yeah. Um, there's some stuff if there. If you're I'm... giving him the... The footage with the song, with the song in, it. in it. That's gonna inspire it. Yeah, that's gonna inspire it. Um, I think Ray Parker Jr. I know. Look, I don't know much about his music other or other things. I'm sure it's it's. He's not. 
I think this is kind of the thing he's known for, if I had to guess. Like, I think this is kind of the thing he's known for. But um, it is interesting kind of looking at that and being like, you probably stole from Huey Lewis. Like, yeah. we can, we, I mean, we still sit here. I, we know yeah. Huey Lewis is an incredible musician. I mean, there's a reason so much of his music has been used through movies. Like you were saying, Back to the Future and all this good stuff. And right, Parker American Jr. Si- Psycho. American Psycho. And Ray Parker Jr., I don't think I can say that about him. He's the him. Ghostbusters guy. He's the Ghostbusters guy, and I know they did like uh, I, I watched the uh, the Netflix episode on the making of. They have that like movies that made us show on yeah, there, yeah. and I watched the Ghostbusters episode, and he's in the episode. He comes up and he talks about how he wrote the song and stuff like that. Does not mention any Huey Lewis stuff. Yeah, well, I don't think because he legally well, no, 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 yeah, he legally cannot. He just kind of talks about. It. He's like, he's like, yeah, I just was looking for the beat, and I just found it, and he's like, clearly just like <laughs> bullshit. This way. I mean, it's really bad. And I'm like, I'm like, you can stole the song. Like, it's really something. But like, he sits there, but he does talk about how he got the lyrics, which I thought was interesting. Like, he said when he was well, the seen, idea was for it to be a commercial. It was meant yeah. to be a commercial. When he said he he saw the commercial scene and he heard like who you like um, call us or whatever yeah. that like inspired like oh who are you gonna call like that's you know so it's interesting how he came up with the lyrics the musicality is where the issue is like you know the all that but i'm, I'm sure it's you know but uh ray parker jr i go back and thank forth you for on the that. Ghostbu- thank you for the ghostbuster song but uh you know you stole it you stole it i go back and <laughs> forth on on that song and sometimes i hear it and you know, i love this song and sometimes i hear it and go, I hate this song <laughs> yeah there's times when i think it really works in the movie like when i hear it in the movie yeah, with yeah, the yeah. montage i think it like i love it there because i think it really works with that montage and i'm like oh this is a lot of fun but like if i hear the song outside of the movie i'm like i don't want to hear this i turned right? it on when I, it's all obviously it's on the blu-ray i have the uh-huh. the, the ghostbusters one ghostbusters two they have the blu-ray. music video too yeah but i like the menu music is the song and oh, like, I, I like left it geez. on one time just can't stand I can't do song. it. Yeah, I can't do it. But uh, there's another lawsuit that we're going to talk about real quick. Oh, good. Quick. Uh, the filmmakers were also sued for $50 million by Harvey Cartoons, who owned Casper the Friendly Ghost, uh-huh. uh, citing that the ghost used in the Ghostbusters logo was based on their character of Fatso. Oh, that's interesting. Harvey Cartoons also wanted the destruction of all copies of the film. Destroy everything. Destroy it. We don't want money. We want you to destroy every copy of the film. Um, what a tall order they came flying out with, huh? Yeah. Uh, I wonder if. Uh, Could you imagine kicking the door into the court and saying, "Burn everything. We want it gone." I have a feeling that uh, uh, Harvey Cartoons is run by a, a descendant of uh, David Zasloff. Ooh. But, uh, but uh, the the lawsuit, the, the lawsuit. Uh, Went in the favor of Columbia. Yeah, of course it of did. Course of course it did. it did. Because you walked in with those crazy demands. If you're kicking the door down and you're demanding every freaking copy of the film get burned and scorched to the earth, like, of course they're going to be like, the judge is going to be sitting there and he's going to be like, no, like, we're not going to do that. Like, and, uh, if they had just demanded money, I think they would have gotten some money. But yeah. it's, it's, it's the burning of every well, copy of I the think film. That, I think the ghost or the, the, the judge basically said, like, there's not many ways you control a ghost. Like, like yeah. it's, it's fine. <laughs> he's, like, like, he's like, oh, there's not many, not many ways you can do that. So, 
Uh, but uh, the legacy of the film. Finally, we're yeah, talking about the legacy of the film. Uh, Ray Parker Jr.'s song, Ghostbusters, was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and stayed on the, in the chart for 21 weeks overall. Wow. Jeez. Uh, in 2015, the film was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Of course. And the film ranks number 28 on the AFI's list, 100 Years, 100 Laughs. Makes sense. Yeah, deserves it. Deserves yeah. to be on there. Absolutely. It is obviously... we keep talking about it. It's a legendary, le- you know, iconic film. Iconic. But let's start with the uh, future of the franchise. Uh, should there have been a sequel to this? <laughs> you know, man, I almost feel like no. I really, I, as I was saying, it almost feels yeah. like this movie isn't setting up a sequel. Not really, It yeah. feels like this is just meant to be its own contained story in one movie. And there's no... Like, obviously, you could, because they drive away, they're the heroes of the day, whatever. You could make a second, but, like, it doesn't feel like they're setting up for that. Yeah. And even if they do, they go in a very strange direction. It's a direction. strange direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a strange direction. Yeah, I, I don't know if they really want to see another one after this, to yeah. be honest with you. Maybe they do one, and eventually we get Ghostbusters Afterlife. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, we maybe. Don't need like, to, maybe we or, get that legacy know, sequel yeah. years later, kind of the Top Gun deal. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh... What would you want to see in the future? What would you want to see in another movie? I don't really know. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't really think there should be. So I, I guess I guess if I had to had to pick, maybe maybe Ackroyd's original idea would be fun for, like... I, but, like, it would have to be, like, a nowadays... If it's, like, a legacy like a current, sequel, yeah. A current-day legacy sequel where Ghostbusting has been accepted by the masses... It's this big crazy thing where it's just happening all over the place. Maybe Ackroyd's idea would work nowadays, right? Instead of this idea that for whatever reason people keep forgetting about ghosts. Yeah, everyone keeps forgetting about ghosts for whatever reason. And it's it's very strange. I actually think Ackroyd's idea would work nowadays. Yeah. Where we're so invet where we we kind of have the technology it's to make just that so happen. Non- and it's also no so nonchalant that- It's so nonchalant, like it's just accepted like, oh yeah, ghost busting just happens. Yeah. Like these guys started it and here we are. Yeah. Uh, what franchise star would you like to add to this franchise? I'm taking Jeff Goldblum. As soon as That's you said that, man. I was like, yeah, that's the guy. You know, I know he turned down the original film, but I really feel like this is perfect for John Candy. I agree with you. Not not as Lewis. Not but, as Lewis, but, but as a role, different yeah. yeah, as a different character. Maybe Rick Moranis' character? <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> ranking of the individual films in the franchise. So we have one movie. So right now, number one is... Ghostbusters. Yeah, easy. Before we move on, before we finish this up, I mean, is there anything else you want to add about this or talk about this? Because there is, we've mentioned, there is a lot here. So. I, I think we've done this some justice. Um, yeah. I really do. I think we've done this some justice. This is, it's a great movie. Like, there's no yeah. doubt about that. This is a comedy classic. This is a, um, this is an iconic movie. There's a reason people still talk about Ghostbusters to so this day. So, I'll ask you this. Mm-hmm. Why do you think, or in your opinion, uh-huh. why do you feel like this has been such a important franchise to so many people, or that this is Import- such a... I would say important movie. Yeah, important movie, or or like or that. Why do you feel like what what in this movie kind of makes you think or understand like why this feeling that people have towards Ghostbusters this this like I think it's because there is a sect of people that. You, you, I mean, I've heard this argument before, and I've heard, and I've heard people say this before. Everybody sees themselves in one of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's I true. think that's what it is. I think because they each have such a unique and diverse personality, 
every single person sees themselves somewhere you're in the Ray, Ghostbusters. You're an Egon. You're a Ray, you're, you're an Egon, Peter, you're a Venkman, you're, you're, you're a, Winston. a Winston, like whatever it is. Like I think everybody sees themselves somewhere in there and I think that's what it is. And um, I, I think that propels it and everybody wants to be a Ghostbuster. When you see people running around, when you see them on the, with those backpacks on and the uh, attach it, you're just like, I want to do that. Yeah. And I also think this really caters to people who at that time were maybe nerds i think that's part of it too i think this so really the nerds I, are the heroes the yeah. nerds are the heroes as opposed to like these big action stars this movie kind of flips that idea on its head and says hey the scientists are the gonna smart win. sarcastic like, the kids, guy can be the hero right yeah. i think this really caters to a lot of those people maybe the kids who were playing dungeons and dragons saw this and went oh my god like and you know it's one of those things where i i think that's part of it i think those people those kids saw themselves even today i think we still see that where people and our current generation or new kids or uh you know whatever it is everyone sees themselves somewhere in the ghostbusters and shows that you don't have to be this big huge you know muscular action hero to be a hero you can just be a regular person you can be a scientist and be a hero yeah you know and i think that's what it is i think that's why this has such a uh an everlasting, an, kind of an everlasting legacy where it feels like it's never going to go away. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's why it's so special. To so yeah, many. yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. I, mean, I, I think, I think the big thing specifically for like why people are so like protective of this is, I guess, is kind of what I was trying to say about about this is, and 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 new and and why we get so much backlash for like new entries into mm-hmm. this franchise or that that I feel like a new entry in this franchise is put under a microscope more right. than anything because I think people are just so protective of this because it, a lot of this is nostalgia and I think that, you know, I think a lot of this is uh, probably an important franchise for people. Or I, And I say franchise because I think... No, not I think just, you are right. Not just is. movies, but I think the people have memories of the cartoons, the video games, right. the toys. Right, right. You know, um, what, you know, the sequel, Ghostbusters 2, like... Not 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 the most popular, there, but, but there's people, people who love Ghostbusters who love it, too. Yeah. yeah, there are people who love and, it, and and I think the people are protective of it because it was their child and it was very important to them. And, and we've seen that, we've seen that, we've mentioned that with Terminator, we've mm-hmm. mentioned that with these movies, you know. And I mean, I think I think we we've seen you know that with in a, in a way with Harry Potter with with right. the people that that read the books, you know, they they kind of backlashed against the movies because of that. Like, right. I think fandom in general, and I mean, because like, this really is kind of our I feel like our first our biggest foray into into fandoms and I know we did Harry Potter but I feel like it was just so big I didn't really want to talk about fandom with with that right but to really talk about like fandom and and sex of fans and 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 how how this like just group of people feel I, about this this movie this series yes and and the goods and the bads about it all yeah and, and I think I think that that sect of people who Yes, do see themselves as Ghostbusters. Also, feel an ownership over this movie, like yeah. you were saying. I well, think I, they I, do. Yeah. I think they do feel an ownership of it, and they feel like it is their movie and their movie alone. It's not anybody else's movie. It's just our movie, and that's um, a dangerous mindset because art is for everybody. Movies are for everybody. Film is for everybody. Like anybody can watch this movie and see something in there that they like. Right? Yeah. Like everybody sees themselves somewhere in this movie, and. To take ownership of that and say it's just mine is crazy. Like just because a movie came out during your childhood that meant a lot to you doesn't mean that people, kids now 
can't watch it yeah. and and feel like it doesn't belong to them too like it's for everybody and well, that's always been the case and i feel like that this the fandom uh also you're right along with that ownership also it creates this idea of what they think they deserve in a sequel or yeah. what they think they deserve ghostbusters is like yeah. they want to see what they want yeah and they don't want them to change they're afraid of change they're afraid of uh moving forward they're afraid of those things because they feel like they deserve something because they own it yeah right yeah I, and i think some people some people watch movies selfishly like yes. i think people watch movies and and, I, and i'm not even saying that as an insult, but I think some people watch it and go, "Well, this movie is for me," like you said, mm-hmm. and this is this is my movie, and and this is this means a lot to me, and it's the one that I'm going to go to, and I'm going to hold, and I'm going to have it. I think you know, we've been friends for a long enough time, and, mm-hmm. and we've oh, movies have always been the the thing that has kind of bonded us together. It's been uh, the bridge, um, yeah. Well, among obviously among other things, uh, but yeah, I feel like just movies. <laughs> that's it. But I feel like uh, we watch movies in a very like giving manner like i when i watch a movie that i really enjoy i want to share that with somebody whether it's whether it's my wife whether it's you whether it's whatever Mm -hmm. like how many times have i come to you and gone man like you know we we mentioned it with like the last action hero when i and and that's always an older movie but i stumbled upon that i'm like dude i watched this movie you need to check this out this is awesome like you've come to me and you go dude the vast of night yeah you're like you check out the can i just very quickly plug the vast of night on here (laughs) if you haven't watched it amazon prime the vast of night please go watch that movie. oh so good uh one of my favorite movies of of you've literally said you're you're like you're like it's it's on my 2020 like end of decade list yeah it's Uh, that at least for now at least for now but like it's Oh my god! Incredible. Yeah, I love that. But like, you come to me for that. Everything, everywhere, at all at once. Marcel, the show oh, with shoes on. These yeah. are these movies that you're like, hey, dude, this is coming out. You need to pay attention right. to this. We get enjoyment out of like watching it. Some of my favorite times in a movie theater is being next to somebody and watching their reaction, seeing somebody that that I care about or that I I I, I uh, that I love. Like reacting to a movie that I love, you know, right, I mean, that's right. what I get. But I feel like some people, and and that's okay too. But I think some people watch movies and and they, and they just want it for themselves. Right. And and again, that is okay. But I do think that there it gets to the point that sometimes they have trouble sharing this movie. And if somebody has opinions or feelings on a movie, like, well, I mean, I didn't like this. You know, there might be people who were upset that we said, well, oh, well, the character of Peter Venkman wasn't a great character to us because we found it a little bit problematic. We, we found it to be a little, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm sure there's people out there going, oh, them snowflakes, they don't know what it, they don't, they don't understand the greatness of this Peter Venkman, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. And, 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 you know, I just think that it gets to a point sometimes where, where it does become problematic, you know, that how yeah. people I mean, view and handle movies. I mean, the fact that some movies. people can't accept criticism about a movie is is always fascinating to me because yeah. there are people out there who think the movie is perfect in every single way and that there's nothing wrong whatsoever with ghostbusters and how can anyone look at that movie and criticize it and like you said we watched this movie and yeah we both looked at it and said peter venkman's a little unlikable yeah. he's unlike he's an unlikable main character and i think that time hasn't been kind to that character yeah. whereas the other three i think have aged very well yeah and do too that yeah. character in particular just to me, it just hasn't aged well. I'm like, that's probably the one that hasn't 
done well to me. But if you can't accept that criticism and you're going to get angry, and like you said, like there are people out there who I'm sure are like, oh, those snowflakes just don't get it. Sorry, but like it's, it's, Venkman isn't like, you know, it, yeah. it, you have to accept people, criticism People sometimes. have different points of views. You know, you know I mean, like they, they I'm really sure do. if I told them my favorite movie, they would watch it and they would pick it apart and go, this isn't a movie. And it's like, but I can't criticize Ghostbusters. I mean, who doesn't love The Departed, though? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> who doesn't love The Departed? Oh, man. I, I, oh. We, we will. We will talk about The Departed. I know we will. I know we will. <laughs> I know we will. I can't wait for it. That's so exciting. I love that movie. Oh, The Departed. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think... Uh, I distracted him. He's got The Departed on right yeah, now. I know, already I know. Him I'm going to, I'm just going to leave and go watch The Departed. But no, I, I do think there is... Uh, that fandom is very toxic and it, it, it does it's it, the fact that it's carried on for this long the only other franchise that has this is star wars i you they, know what they really mean? it's i i i just think fandoms in general get can toxic. be dangerous they, i mean they we've talked toxic. about this yeah. a little bit i mean since we're talking about fandom and we're kind of just bringing up random ones we've talked about this how we're kind of starting to see that with the mcu a little bit yeah. we're starting to see that turn and i know it took a little bit to <laughs> you were a little hesitant to accept no, it at first I, I, but like i, I think I, still don't... I think now that it's it's not prevalent no it's no, not no like it's not like widespread prevalent but like i have noticed it more in recent years oh, yeah. with more of the uh diverse movies coming out yeah. which is incredible and it's awesome to see there is that sect of the fan base yeah. that feels like uh we just want to go back to the infinity saga and it's like well why do you want to go back there because all the heroes were white were white men mostly like is that that's why you want to go back and it's like there's no doubt that's an incredible saga we enjoy the there's some really great stuff in there but what they're doing now is also really great. There's some cool stuff happening yeah. now. And there's some and not some great stuff. And there's, there's some there's some, some not so great stuff, but, but there is some great stuff. I think people Shock Chi, baby. I know. But I, I think people also and it's to talk about Marvel real quick, I think people also forget the missteps that Marvel has made along the way. Oh, like, absolutely. Like I I really you know, we'll talk about this when we do the MCU, but I think that uh my least favorite of the entire thing is Iron Man Three. I really think Iron Man Three mm -hmm. is a really rough watch for sure. me. And 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 I you know people Iron Man people don't love Iron Man two people don't love the Incredible Hulk but I think now that we're seeing a little bit more uh, you know like like the Eternals didn't do super Great. well oh, you know what I mean that's a slog um, of a movie yeah and, oh my and, god and even you know Thor Love and Thunder uh, didn't you know it still did pretty well but it didn't it didn't have the um, I was I was definitely disappointed yeah well the, the yeah. quality of it people were questioning it. and yeah. even we we're we like it but people weren't I like it Doctor but I, I will say no, no, I was uh, disappointed no no I'm <laughs> so we, we like Doctor Strange I was gonna say Doctor oh, Strange okay. Multiverse of Madness uh, people were really uh, disappointed hard movie, and hard yeah. on that movie. But I think people were like, oh, that's a misstep, that's a misstep. They're forgetting that there's been missteps before. You know right. what I mean? Like, I think people ha are, they are blind about all They're stuff, almost trying, they want every movie to yeah, be great. But I think, I just, like, I, my argument is I, th I just think fandoms in general, I, I think any fandom, uh, you look mm -hmm. hard enough and, they, and if they're around long enough, they're going to be toxic. Yeah. The, the fandoms live on the internet, and the internet's a toxic. Oh place. yeah, and we're going to talk about this even more when we get to uh, DC. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look that's man, a, yeah. Look, man, we talked the Snyderverse. I get it. Like you know, I, I as you know, I am a fan of the Snyderverse. I'm not like you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I like those movies. But by no means You're do one I of the feel bots like that he bought. What was that? You're one of the bots that Snyder I'm one of the bot. I'm one of the bots that was bought. No, I. But at the same time, you know, you have to understand that that phase is over that's done they're not bringing that back and there is a fan base out there is a 
rabid fan base out there. And there's also some stuff coming out that maybe Zack Snyder used that to his advantage a little bit. Mm-hmm. That is the perfect, I think, even now, yeah. even beyond MCU. We're seeing it there. But like I think even beyond, like as of right now, I would actually say that those Snyderverse fans, fans are incredibly toxic and dangerous yeah. with what they are pushing all the time and it gets to a point where it's almost like this needs to stop what well, it like, is this needs to stop it's we're, it's we, not coming back we just <laughs> like, live in in a, in a culture that even honestly just even talking about i'm honestly just talking about movies right now right that like somebody's a people are so offended by somebody's opinion because they didn't they didn't like something like we like we have we said on the Dead Man's Chest episode, a, a movie that we not just loved but absolutely adored, like uh-huh. heaped so much praise on. That if you didn't like the movie, you didn't like the movie. That's fine. It's we, not for everybody. We were okay with that. Yeah, and we even said during that episode, yeah, that maybe the right the writing is a it is yeah. a little convoluted. It is a little convoluted, yeah, and, and it can and be, and that's we, on the writers. Yeah, and we were and, very hard on those. Yeah, books. and oh. we, we admit we admit. Yeah, that. let's hold up production. Yeah, like I said, I, I, I now if you say oh oh. Uh, Pirates is a, is a is a the Dead Man's is a badly made movie. That's a different story. Oh, that that's I, so I wrong. Think that, I think that's I think that's more of a fact. That's like more, you can yeah. look at that movie and be like, that's a well made movie. That's a well made movie. You know? But if you have a problem with the story, totally get it. Yeah. I'm if, like, if you don't like the movie, yeah. If you don't like the movie because you had fine. trouble following it, yeah. But I think fine, people need you know? to understand, accept that you know, they're not everything pe- people. And that's that's the beautiful part to me about movies is that I can watch something and I can really connect with it on mm-hmm. a personal level. I think it's one of the best things ever. And you can watch a movie and think it's a pile <laughs> of. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about movies is that we can, and that's what we try to do. Here is we try to talk about movies, right? And we haven't really had a challenge yet where we've been on opposite sides. It's coming eventually, <laughs> but uh, wait till we talk Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I can't wait. I, th- I texted you. I'm like, pretty sure Punch might actually get thrown during that episode. <laughs> we're probably going to be, th- yeah, we're going to be trading blows. We might have to bring Tony in, not to talk on the episode, just to mediate. Just to mediate. Yeah, he's he's going to have to be here. We're gonna we're gonna need Tony in that third seat that day, and he's going to need to like duel the questions out and. Uh, we're gonna need like a stopwatch for each of our. It's gonna be like a debate, basically. It's gonna be like a debate. Um, I'm really excited. To yeah, I know. That episode. I, know, I, know. I yeah. can't wait. Um, in like five years. Yeah, in like five but, years, um, when we do it. But no, I I think that's the beautiful part about movies, and I think people lose that sometimes. And I think people, I think we 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 we're living in a time where where people are very very much like, well, this is my favorite movie. You can't dislike it. I right. think you know if somebody tells me that they don't like Back to the Future, I'm like, wow, I I I'm surprised by that, but. I get it, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, so... But yeah, that's... I. You know, we're honestly probably going to be having conversations like this every week because I I, I am I really am fascinated about the discourse, uh, not just even around Ghostbusters, but just around fandoms in general and, right. and why people feel protective of these movies and why people... And I, and I ultimately understand why, but, like, why people are so responsive or reactionary... Uh, uh, you know, to this movie, like 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 the fact that that they're freaking out because there's a reboot or or, or that there's a legacy. Right. You know what I mean? Like as like, soon as any, you're right. As soon as any like reboot is announced, immediately people get yeah. Angry. And, and I'm going to save the whole reboot conversation for <sighs> answer the call to the 2016 version because right. I think that's a whole conversation in itself. But about, I think I think part of it too though is the reboot culture can be a little. Can wear me out a little no, bit no, because yeah, I well, think that's... there are movies that don't need to be rebooted that are, and it also plays into that idea 
which I think is true to some degree that Hollywood kind of is out of ideas. I, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, we see something original every now and again. Not to say that that's not that doesn't happen everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Very original. But like there's other stuff that, you know, big Hollywood feels like it's kind of running out of ideas. Yeah. I mean, even recently, I don't know if you saw it, but like they're uh, rebooting Roadhouse. Yes. With Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Why? Yeah. <laughs> why is that happening? You know, like who was clamoring for that? Like why nobody asked for for that, but they're doing it anyway. And I just it, that that to me plays into like I think they're out of ideas. Why else would they do this? You know, Roadhouse of all movies. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Like I said, I, I I'm gonna we're gonna have we're gonna definitely have those conversations yeah. in a couple of weeks, just two weeks when we do yeah, uh, yeah. Answer, answer the call because that is a lot to talk about. But but ultimately <laughs> that's, that's a lot to unpack. But ultimately, like you know, it, it, it's just it's just fascinating to me that 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 I never would have. Picked, you know, we go back to like 2014, mm-hmm. you know, before they announced this this reboot. I yep. never, I never would have picked Ghostbusters to have this diehard fan base like it like it does. You know what I mean? It's, so, it's, yeah, so. I agree. But uh, you know, that's really it to me. When you want to bring us home, I guess. I think or? that's it. Yeah. Well, let's close up shop, my friend. All right. That brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Tony. And we appreciate everybody for their support. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FranchiseMePod. You can see all of our rankings on Letterboxd. Uh, just search, search FranchiseMe, one word. And you can send us an email, FranchiseMePod at gmail.com. Give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Give us your feedback so we can get better each week. Also, check out our bonus series, A Year in Franchises, where each episode we break down all the franchise movies in a year. Don't forget to check out our website, FranchiseMePodcast.com, where you can see all of our episodes. Check back next week as the team reunites five years later, and we discuss Ghostbusters 2. Ooh.